torturing. Others, not so much. But worse than that is the idea that this somehow absolves the husband from all of those responsibilities. Right? I mean, even conservative Christian dads still teach their kids shit by and large. But holy shit at all the serial killers they've churned out with their phobia about comforting and nurturing. And then we get to, in my opinion, the worst advice on the fucking chart. At the very bottom, it tells children that their chief responsibilities are to love and obey their parents. And keep in mind, this isn't being communicated as a company policy or as good advice from a motivational poster. This is being handed down on high by God himself to brains that haven't yet developed the ability to question what they're being told. Any responsible human being would be tossing in all kinds of caveats on that, right? Like, obey your parents, unless they tell you to X, Y, or Z. But Christianity is all about the absolute, so come hell or high water, you have to obey them. And you have to love them, too, which is somehow even worse. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my parents, I'm sure most of you do, too. But I also know some of you who don't. I know plenty of you whose parents don't deserve your love or your forgiveness or your time, and yet almost all of you still want to love them, right? The idea that you should always love your parents no matter what cruel shit they've done to you is the source of probably 50% of the terrible, sad stories in my inbox. Having abusive parents or parents that reject you because of your religious beliefs, your gender identity, or your sexual orientation is already bad enough without the overwhelming societal pressure to reconcile with them or to love them anyway. So yeah, no surprise, literally every fucking word and image on the Christian chart for how to be a good family is wrong, misguided, stupid, or some combination of the three. In fact, I have to share one last detail on the image because the stupidity of it annoys the hell out of me. Immediately below the children canopy is the fucking handle. <laughs> so apparently you have to hold this contraption straight up in the air if you're using it or something. I don't know. So yet again, they've accidentally got something in their dumbass image right, and it's not something they wanted to admit. Right? When you use the biblical order of the family, there's no room left over for your head. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the of the people and by the people to my for the people. He then writing to Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to not perish from the earth? <laughs> okay. If you're going to start the way my personal trainer does, we're going to have problems. <laughs> Sorry. 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 You have a personal trainer? Yikes. <laughs> well, it, he, he actually pays us to never identify him on the show, though. He's like a reverse sponsor. And speaking of how we right, make we gotta our up money, that ransom. Yeah, right? So here's a quick word from our first actual sponsor this week, Gabby. I don't have a personal trainer. No, you don't. No. All right, and now I just need your mother's maiden name's most favorite pet's birthday. Uh, okay, I think it's... June 22nd. Sorry. Okay. We've been doing this for hours. I was just looking to compare my insurance rates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Almost done. What color underpants were you wearing on the fourth day of sixth grade? <sighs> White. All right. That was the last question. And your Wait. rate is five-ish. Okay. Sorry. Five-ish? What's five-ish? Oh, well, we don't actually compare your insurance rates. We just give you an estimate based on your answers to our questions. You find out what your rate is when you actually apply. Which I can do by... Answering all those questions again. Seriously? Again? Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think we are, Gabby? Wait, what's Gabby? Well, Gabby's the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. Okay. Do I have to spend like nine hours answering questions for them? 
No, actually, with Gabby, you use your current policy to find a better policy. Comparing your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. All in one place. It's free, and they only show policies that are the same or better than your current coverage. Many of them at a lower price. Yeah, I actually used Gabby to compare prices on my car insurance. Logged in with my current info. It was fast, and they saved me money. In fact, Gabby customers save $961 per year on average, and they'll never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. Wow, that sounds so much better than what I'm doing right now. So how do I give it a try? Put your policy to the test like I did. Get better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check, and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash scathing. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash scathing. Gabby.com slash scathing. All right. I guess I won't need your help after all. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go. Yeah? What? What flavor was your birthday cake in 1994? What? How does that even help you? I need the information. <laughs> and now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, Hobby Lobby is a fucking hate group. Yeah, right. Like I, I mean, they, they sell potpourri and skeins of yarn and shit, but that's just to pay for the hate group stuff. And we were reminded of that yet again when they took out a full page ad in a bunch of newspapers on July fourth that never mentioned a damn thing about crochet patterns or sales on scented candles. Instead, the ad reads "One Nation Under God" in like nine inch bucket type with a goddamn little kid wrapped in a flag and below that it has a bunch of cherry pick quotes from American history about how if you think about it everybody who isn't a Christian is kind of a worthless piece of shit yeah and they didn't even bother to put it on a mug in fake handwriting lazy Hobby Lobby that's what it is (laughs) right (laughs) exactly you should at least have to set it up with your own decorative letters now the ad includes a series of quotes from George Washington John Adams James Madison Thomas Jefferson and John Quincy Adams all talking about the importance of religion. Noteworthy that not a goddamn one of them mentions Christianity. Also, huh. worth pointing out, if we lined up a series of quotes from those same dudes on, I don't know, the rights of African Americans. Yeah, right, right. It would be super <laughs> obvious why we can and should ignore the fucking opinions of all of those guys on social issues altogether. What's more, the fact that the most recent quote they could find in defense of their bullshit was a fucking Supreme Court ruling from 1844 should tell you exactly how (laughs) relevant they are to the present. Under their little education section, they actually quoted from the Harvard Student Guidelines of 1636. What is happening? Uh... Chris, should we include this quote about you kids these days in your high-speed buggies? Ah. I feel like we need to cut it for space. Yeah, let's cut it for space. We need plenty of room for the entire Dred Scott yeah, decision. right. As it applies to yarn. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so the message of the ad was very clearly that America isn't theocratic enough and that non-Christians have no place in our government. That's fully one-third of the goddamn country, to be clear. Mm -hmm. And the people expressing this position of moral superiority are, of course, the people who smuggled stolen artifacts, looted from Iraq, sued the government for making them cover contraceptive costs for their employees, refused to close their stores for COVID on the strength of a vivid dream the boss's wife had, forced their employees to use sick time to cover their time off when they were forced to shut down, illegally reopened stores when states were still on lockdown, told a Jewish customer their stores don't cater to your people. People asked for a federal exemption from having to sell yarn to LGBTQ people and staged a hostile takeover for a charity to feed children because it wasn't Jesus-y enough for them. According to those people, you just can't trust non-Christians. They have no morals. (laughs) 
And in I Love Your Persecution News, as regular listeners to the show are doubtlessly aware, over the last three months, mass gravesites have been uncovered at so-called residential schools in Canada, with the number of dead children uncovered totaling more than a thousand so far. Jesus Christ. And as they have every time we've discussed an evil thing they were doing way too recently, the Catholic Church is pretty sure it's everyone's fault but their own and that they're being persecuted. Yep. Okay, you know what? Yes, they are. We're persecuting you now for murder. Yeah. We're doing that. Yes, <laughs> we so, okay, so how fucked up is this? Murder understates the case a bit, right? Yeah. Baby genocide. We're persecuting you for baby genocide. IV persecute. <sighs> yep. Yeah. So, little backstory here. Residential schools were Catholic institutions that kidnapped the children of indigenous people in the hopes of Jesusing them into not being savages anymore. Now, by all accounts, they were absolutely brutal places meant to beat the other out of children. And as we're discovering more and more each day, they also seem to have just been murder factories. So, as you can imagine, the Catholic Church is coming under a bit of scrutiny for this. After all, literally the only good thing you could say about the Catholic Church until recently is, we were under the impression you left children alive. Yeah. Yeah, they're out there going like, well, first you say you don't want us leaving them traumatized for life. Now you're pissed about this. Make up your mind, you persecutors. Yeah, we can't have it both ways. That's our fault. <sighs> yeah. So here's how the Catholic Church has handled the revelation that their schools were murder factories. First, at Merciful Redeemer Parish, Monsignor Owen Keenan addressed the issue by asking his parish to focus on the good things the residential schools did, saying, quote, Really? Two-thirds of the country is blaming the church, which we Only. love. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> seems low. Seems low, Owen, for the tragedies that occurred there. I presume the same number would thank the church for the good done in those schools. But, of course, that question was never asked, and we are not allowed to even say that good was done there. I await to see what comes to my inbox, end quote. <laughs> Your inbox, okay. We ask everyone respect our privacy during this very difficult time yeah. of us getting caught murdering. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Email persecution is serious. It's serious. Yeah. Real struggle. Well, good news. Turns out quite a bit came into Monsignor Keenan's inbox, and he has since resigned. Oh, there you go. But he is far from the only Catholic passing the buck here. During a recent sermon, Archbishop... Richard Gagnon, president of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops and Archbishop of Winnipeg, took a moment to talk about the real victim in all of this. Was it him? Him. Yep. Personally. Yep. yep. It's him. So, according to the Globe and Mail, quote, he said that in his role, he is getting bombarded a lot, and that in dealing with the media, he's noticing a lot of blame, a lot of accusations, a lot of exaggerations, a lot of false ideas. Oh, there's end quote. so much better shit that we could bombard him with, guys. Come on. Yeah. Hands us. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us, of course, to the fires. So, as you've probably heard, over the last month, there have been more than a dozen fires slash vandalisms at churches, many of which are Catholic. And a lot of people especially the Catholic Church, believe that these fires are revenge for the uncovered bodies of children at residential schools. And it's worth pointing out, we don't know that. True. Right? One of the most recent attacks was on the Vietnamese Alliance Church in Calgary, and I'm pretty sure vengeance arsonists know that they weren't involved in colonial genocide. In fact, so far as I can tell, 
None of these arsons have been proven to be vengeance-based yet. So, look, I'm not saying anything either way, but maybe we shouldn't be taking the child rapists who were recently discovered to be child murderers' word for it? Well, yeah, and honestly, look, as much fucked up shit as the Catholic Church has done, even if we knew it was revenge, we still wouldn't know what it was revenge for. Yeah. Okay, does revenge arson look different than regular arson? Like, do they spell stuff out in the fires, like, oh. to tell them what was happening? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, you do a crow shape, actually, I think. Oh, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And look, if these are revenge for over a thousand dead kids, and that's just what we've discovered so far, that's... Bad. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm informed by our attorney that is bad, but it's not like I don't get it, right? I mean, the Catholic Church, they're the largest landowner in the world. There is literally nowhere on the planet survivors and families of these victims can go to escape the constant reminder that the institution that genocided them is still well and in power. Wow. And I mean, that would make anybody pick up a pack of matches. You know what I'm saying? But again, 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 as I said before, I'm informed by my lawyer. Don't do that. Yes. Or advocate for it. Or advocate for it, which I'm not (laughs) doing. Nope. Sure aren't. And in Oscar the Fouch news tonight. Okay, now that's (laughs) how you get me to remember a name pronunciation. No illusions. Oscar is an award. Anyway, so atheism could scarcely have scripted a better us and them contrast than the responses to COVID last year from religious and non-religious public figures. On the them side... You had at least one full book's worth of pastors, priests, and televangelists promising miracle cures while suing the government for the right to keep gathering in unrestricted numbers despite their wholesale dismissal of safety protocols. And on the us side, you had the humanist head of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases patiently suffering the slings and arrows of their outrageous stupidity without ever throwing his hands up in the air and saying, fuck it, you assholes aren't worth saving. Fine, drink some goddamn bleach. (laughs) saint. He should be sainted. Right. Well, we don't have that in atheism, but we do have this. The American Humanist Association announced this month that Dr. Anthony Fauci will be the recipient of the 2021 Humanist of the Year Award. And if it turns out that he created COVID in a lab in Wuhan and gave it to people as part of a genocidal Illuminati plot, he gets to keep the award. This is very important (laughs) to some people. Very. (laughs) And I feel like every winner, they get to pick one person who had the award revoked for whatever reason and pocket sand them in the eye. (laughs) Whatever that might be, I think that should be part of the award. So, yeah, Fauci is one of ours Uh, since at least 2003. He's publicly identified as a humanist. He said in a recent interview, quote, I look upon myself as a humanist. I have faith in the goodness of mankind, end quote. And honestly, his ability to retain that faith and light all the anti-mask or hydroxychloroquine, hock and microchimp implant fantasy bullshit that he's been suffering through for the last year kind of makes Job look like a dithering flake. Yeah, I don't know how recent that interview was, but let's not ask what he thinks now. (laughs) So can we not poke? Well, so in the press release, the AHA sent out accompanying the announcement. They also mentioned this quote, quote, I'm less enamored of organized religion than I am with the principles of humanity and goodness to mankind and doing the best you can, end quote, which is some champion level understatement. Super right? nice way of saying that. <laughs> Fuck, I'm less enamored of organized religion than I am of those little barbed fish that swim up your dick hole. And after the shit that that dude's been through for the last 15 months, I feel like the same is true of the good doctor. But I'm pretty sure he can't get away with saying that. So, you know, he said what he thought. Oh, <laughs> I don't know, Noah. Raw dog honesty, Dr. Fauci, would be my <laughs> shit. 
just comes out in a tank top, visibly drunk. Hey, everybody. Well, the idiots and their families are still dying. Pretty please with sugar on top. Take the miracle I made for you in world record time. What's that? No? Okay, I'm going to burp the alphabet now. (laughs) (laughs) Fauci is actually a John Galt character, like in a reality way. Like, if anyone's been holding the world on their shoulders and deserves a shrug right now, it's Anthony Fauci. Yeah. So, yeah, Fauci will officially receive the award at the AHA's 80th annual conference, which will take place virtually on July 24th and 25th this year. I think he can still register today. And assuming he can refrain from tweeting a bunch of transphobic bullshit and eugenics ideas, he gets to keep that award indefinitely. Uh, and we here at The Scathing Atheist would like to celebrate this win by pronouncing his goddamn name correctly from now on. I mean, we'd like to know, but we want a lot of things here at The Scathing Atheist. <laughs> Eli, what's the last name? Fousey. Yep. We'll get there. You give a Fouse a cookie. And in Oh Say Can You See Evangelicals News. <laughs> terrible. Well, thank you. <laughs> White evangelical Christians are worse and more Republican than we thought. More. Again. Yep. I know that sounds like it's just an emergency sentence I can say if I ever forget to write headlines for our podcast, (laughs) but we did actually get new data to back that up this week, so we're going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, evangelicals vote Republican. We're dropping all kind of knowledge bombs this week. I hope you brought a pen and a paper, (laughs) listeners. Scoop. (laughs) So it was widely reported that Trump's support among evangelicals dipped from 81% in 2016 to 76% in 2020 which religious apologists proudly proclaimed was proof that for 5% of evangelical <laughs> Christians, the pray, the plague, and the rape, and the treason, and the racism was too far. So if you think about it, religion ain't so bad after all. Please keep giving us your money. I'm the New York Times. And even though that's bullshit, this week, the Pew Research Center let us know that it's actually... Bullshit, bullshit. That it's it's a bad argument, but it's a bad argument about a lie. Yep. Okay, but just to be clear, we knew about the rape and the racism way before 2016. So even granting that lie, one in 20 evangelicals decided to draw a line after multiple rape allegations and decades of racism, but before treason and helping a plague. Mm-hmm. And that's a win condition for Christian <laughs> yeah, apologists. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's actually a bad argument about a lie within a lie. There you go. P- plus a mic drop because yep. they think they won something. <laughs> it's that meme where the guy sprays himself yeah, in the right. mouth and he's at the last place trophy. Yeah. So Pew Research came out with an election report based on something called validated voters, which is people who said they voted, but then those votes are later confirmed using the public record. And according to those numbers... The numbers of evangelicals who voted for Trump actually went up in 2020 from 77% to 84%. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So again, just to be clear, it turns out that 7% of evangelicals drew a line after plague, rape, treason, and racism, but as a fucking goal line, as like a thing to get to. Yes. For them. Yeah. And so, wait, so now it's a bad argument about a lie within a lie that is a... Jesus, I feel like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is floating through a hotel in one of these levels or something. (laughs) So, if you're wondering, how did atheists do? Pretty fucking well. Second only to black Protestants. 87% of self-identifying atheists voted for Joe Biden. 
Well, and and to be clear, like if we got to split by race the way they do for Protestants, I feel like we'd have done even better. Like I, like black atheists, I think would have been doing a little better. Yep, I feel like we would not have had the nine percent who voted for Trump. Now the point is, religion did worse than they pretended they did, and they pretended they did awful. Yep. Again, I know like it feels like that could just be a filler sentence for when I didn't do my job. <laughs> It's just always true, and it always bears repeating. And quickly, you process the whole idea of evangelical Christians being both terrible and liars. We're going to pause for a word from our second sponsor this week, IP Vanish. B-U-S-Y-D-O-N-K-E-Y, busy donkey. What's the donkey busy doing? Being busy. Hey, Eli, what you doing there? Hey, Heath. Oh, you know, with the hackers out there trying to steal our info, Internet safety is more important than ever. And that's why I'm making this. You, you're making a box to put your computer under? <laughs> no, Heath. It's a trap. Hackers will come to steal my computer stuff. Boom, trapped under a box. Right. But, Eli, if you want to protect your computer, that's so, that's a lot. Why don't you just try IP Vanish? What's IP Vanish? Great question. IP Vanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN helps you safely browse the Internet. You can use a VPN on your computers, tablets, phones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. I don't know, Heath. I bought this refrigerator to get the box. I'm kind of low on funds right now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, okay, well, not a great way to get a box. Anyway, for listeners of the show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off, just $349 for the first month or $3149 for the year. Wow, even I can afford that. Where do I sign up? Just go to ipvanish.com slash scathing to claim your 65% savings. They have plans starting at just $349 or $3149 a year. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and their current promotion, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews. So let's show these guys some love. They're repeat sponsors. Remember, it's ipvanish.com slash scathing to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. Aha! Caught one already. Show yourself, hacker. Eli, it's me. You put my laptop in here. Mm, I see. So, Noah was the hacker no. all along. Okay. And we're back. Next up in headlines, we have a story about possibly the worst person You've never heard of. So you ready? Are you picturing this person? You guys got a picture in your head? I do. Okay. Is it a middle-aged white guy who runs a business selling 15-minute videos of how to be an emerging market entrepreneur, influencer, synergy, bullshit, customer journey, logistics, touch point? Touch yes. point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Word, word for word. Yeah, I didn't were think those you were going to get words? the touch point, but yeah. And, and a podcaster. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, you nailed it. Yep. <laughs> Is he also... An evangelical Christian who organizes conspiracy theory conferences headlined by people like Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, and Mike Lindell. Of course. Okay, well. Now, now you're in my head. This is weird. <laughs> Good job. Two for two. And does he look like he's super proud of the upper decker shit he just took at a party that he's about to announce to you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys are really good at this game. And by the way, just for the record, you are picturing exactly Clay Clark. Yep. That sorry. is who I'm talking about. He's he posted a picture of this gentleman in our he notes. He is ridiculous. Okay, not only is he perfect, 
I don't know why he thought it was a good idea to take this picture. Okay, he's got steepled fingers yes. looking out from under his <laughs> eyebrow. Why would you put this on anything other than, like, bad guy tin? <laughs> right. a henchman? No, he's, he looks like a Backstreet Boy-themed Bond villain. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. And that makes me larger than life, Mr. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> so, Clay Clark is the guy behind the Restore America rally. That's the event we talked about last week that featured Mike Lindell talking about his cyber guys who captured some what he believes to be physical packets of Internet (laughs) stuff Mm -hmm. that are going to get Donald Trump back in the White House by September. Well, that rally and a series of other very similar events, including some that are coming up soon for the rest of the year, were all set up by Clay Clark. Why would he do that? Is there some kind of prophecy from God? Yes, there is. In 2013, (laughs) self-proclaimed prophet Kim Clement said, there is a man by the name of Mr. Clark and another man by the name of Donald and also end of prophecy. Really? That is the whole thing. Yeah. Also, God's telling me there's a Mr. Smith, a man named John, and that prophecy is really easy. (laughs) (laughs) Standards have really fallen. (laughs) So, yeah, that was God telling Clay Clark, Mr. Clark, to help Donald Trump. That's the Donald. Uh By organizing QAnon rallies about the COVID vaccine being a plot by Bill Gates so that Bill Gates can finally profit and make some money. Also... (laughs) Democrats are trafficking babies to harvest adrenochrome so that Democrats can win something yep. with mm-hmm. adrenochrome. Yeah. Also, d- doesn't it seem like we'd do that with grown-ups? Right. Just bigger adrenochrome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, seems like we get more. Whatever. Nobody listens to me at the meetings. Regardless, <laughs> you're probably wondering at this point, what's the agenda? Well, according to Clark, quote, what's the agenda? The shot, the injection, the bioweapon. The bioweapon? The bioweapon, exactly. <laughs> what they're calling the, quote, vaccine. Everyone needs to look this up. It's called SM-102. A core ingredient of the shot, SM-102, also contains a technology called luciferase. <gasps> Lucifer race. He says this. He says that. He says luciferase, then he's like, luciferase. Uh, Nailed it. It's a racial thing to him somehow. Okay. But that's the end of the quote. It's it's not that conspiracy theorists are stupid. It's they they think the bad guys are as stupid as they are and would put devil genetic inducing drug in the name. Okay, so this <laughs> might just be my favorite conspiracy theory ever. Because luciferase is the thing, right? It, it's a compound involved in bioluminescence, apparently. Well, fucking lightning bugs have it. It's not in any of the vaccines, because, you know, we don't need them to glow. But apparently some experiments showed you could use it to, like, speed up testing for COVID or something like that. And now professional reporters at the New York Times have to explain how no, there's no molecular Satan in your vaccine. <laughs> yep. At this point, you're probably wondering, okay, but do you have any numbers to back that up, Clay Clark? Yes, he does. According to Clark, Microsoft filed a patent for a biological Bitcoin crypto thing using the filing number W zero two zero two zero zero six zero six zero six. Well, 
We all know from the book of Revelation, 666 <laughs> is the number of the beast. Yeah. And what's a different number entirely with some of those digits? Exactly. Science, numbers, yeah. data. And if you translate that to binary, where two and six represent one and zero still That's represents zero, what number is zero one zero one zero zero one zero one zero one? That's right. What's that? Six hundred and sixty one. Well, and, so and, and then, and how many points are there on that W? Five. Exactly. Oh, we did it. Oh, God, they're going to use that one now, aren't they? We shouldn't have done that. Clay, you have to PayPal us. That's called research, Clay. Don't steal our thing. Come on, buddy. Just, there's infinity points on a W if you think yeah, about it. Really. Don't use that Actually. because you'll make it worse. So Clark continued, what's the motive? <laughs> it's to get you and I to take the shot, a.k.a. the mark with the patent number, W zero two zero two zero six zero six zero six. The technology was cooked up by a spirit cooker. <laughs> Praise to Satan and the world's most prolific pedophile teaming up with Bill Gates, who right now stands at the threshold of the gates of hell. End quote. I mean, the threshold of the gates of hell is one way to describe a divorce. I get it. Oh, so I assumed he was talking about switching over to Windows 11. But yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so just in case your shitty Uncle Frank is curious, who organized the super reasonable Trump rally that he heard about on Tucker Carlson? The answer is Clay Clark, who literally said everything you just heard. And that includes our atheist plot that apparently started in the late 19th century when French chemist Raphael Dubois named that enzyme luciferase. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's when we started the long time. <laughs> I will name this light in my native French, and everyone will really like it. A <laughs> hundred years later, you ain't putting that in me, Joe Biden, Obama. Okay. They're on to us. <laughs> and finally tonight, we have some good news and some bad news. The bad news, we have a story about Rick Wiles, but it's not about how he died of COVID and also acute oh, poetic I'm justice. Oh, so sad. Yeah, he had the COVID. He's not. He's still there. The good news... He thought he had a win last week, and he tried to gloat on behalf of God for that win, mm -hmm. and then the universe immediately contradicted him. Yep. So, in case anyone missed it, YouTube shut down the channel for Right Wing Watch, because YouTube is kind of stupid sometimes, and they can't tell the difference between hate speech and exposing hate right. speech. So, Rick Wiles tried to... Humble brag? I don't know. What's the word for this? But he tried to something. He tried to verb somehow that his hate speech got taken down. But that very same afternoon, YouTube realized they were being stupid and they put the channel right back up. Sorry that I have to give you a nose on air, Heath. But um, when the bad news is that Rick Wiles didn't die of X, the good news kind of has to be that he did die of something else, right? Or, or everybody's going to be really disappointed. Like, this Very is a fun noted. story and everything, but it's just the, your setup made it into a letdown. All right, let's yeah. just refresh really quick. Rick Wiles. Damn it. Okay. Still alive. <laughs> Sorry about that. I hacked into his Apple Watch. He's fine. <laughs> so here's what we got from Rick Wiles. He started by saying, the Bible tells us, that Christian people are not supposed to gloat. <laughs> so that during his dedicated mm -hmm. gloating segment on his show, and he quoted Romans 12:19, where it says, Beloved, 
Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Adding, but... Yeah, right. right. <laughs> However, that being said, here's my gloating Actually, segment. Yeah. So, yeah, wrath of God. He was hoping God would do a Magic the Gathering board wipe on Right Wing Watch. <laughs> and here's the big announcement. Quote, let me make this very clear today. Jesus Christ shut down Right Wing Watch. Not YouTube. Jesus Christ shut down Right Wing Watch today. Actually, no, no. Nobody shut him down. <laughs> it was just their YouTube channel. That's a thing on the Internet. It had, you know what? I'll explain it later, Rick. Mm-hmm. I'll explain it later. Continuing, this is an example of God working through unsaved people at YouTube to carry out his vengeance (laughs) against those who attack and smear his servants. So I didn't have to lift a finger against Right Wing Watch. I think they'll disappear in the coming weeks and months. There's no purpose for them now, end quote. Okay, all all I'm saying is when Tim gets a channel shut down for like, putting our content on it or whatever, it stays down. So clearly Tim is more effective than Jesus. This is yet another. And Andy doesn't ask for 10% of our income. Being an atheist is great. Yeah. That's like stats right there. Get the shit out of some Roman guards. Tim is more powerful than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We know that. And even though Right Wing Watch normally uses Vimeo for hosting embedded videos, that clip of Rick Wiles was very decidedly on their YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love them so much. They're such a good job. Just mwah, well done, full yes. of yes. little, yeah. Great job. Quick review. Here's the narrative from Rick Wiles. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of God, who is magical, filed a complaint with YouTube for the proper channel <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm, about an account that was Literally just playing clips of his followers saying their Christian beliefs out loud. Yeah. Which happens to also be hate speech a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Rick Wiles tried to gloat about it. Yes, and then he did. fucking minutes later, Jesus was like, fuck, all right, see what happens. Yeah, this is why we need critical race theory. You guys need to <laughs> put it back up. I mean, I'll come get my boy. I'll come get my boy. So Rywi was in the middle of a victory lap and he got fucking side-tackled by Jesus Christ and the universe. That's what happened, according to Rick Wyatt, uh-huh. on his show. <laughs> like, come on, man. If you're not even going to make it a challenge, it kind of ruins it for us. It's not as fun. No, actually, no, it does. It does not ruin it. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this a lot. Please, <laughs> please keep failing horribly. Keep doing there it. There you go. And, and die of COVID. So that yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Rude. You could ruin our story. <laughs> Just die of COVID ruins the whole thing. Yep. We were wrong. We won't make a bit about it at all. And you won't do it. With that admonition delivered, I think we can close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Go to the penguins at the zoo and then what, find no, it. What, what are you doing? He, He's back. Sorry, I just, I got used to it. Jumanji! And when we come back, Jeff Blackwell will be here to set up a lawyer off with Andrew at some point in the future. Blackwell! As Hobby Lobby aptly demonstrated this week, there are a few things that conservative Christians enjoy more than telling atheists that we don't belong. 
from the giant crosses that peer at us over the tree line to the religious statements on our money to the ostentatious displays over the holidays reminding everybody that peace on earth is their thing, damn it. They delight in forever making us the outsider in our own country. Well, thankfully, we have some pretty dedicated folks in our corner pushing back against that, like, for example, Litigation Council for American Atheists and my guest today, Jeff Blackwell. Jeff, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Hey there, Noah. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you, man. So, you're involved in a, a new lawsuit from American Atheists. I've seen coverage of this all over the media, and basically everything I've seen has managed to get it wrong. Over and over again, I've read that American Atheists is suing to have In God We Trust removed from the Mississippi license plate. But that's not exactly right. So can you clarify it for us? What exactly is this lawsuit all about? Yeah, Fox News in particular has been um, repeatedly mischaracterizing the lawsuit. So we are not suing to have the state remove In God We Trust from its standard license plates. What we are suing for is to allow non-Christians to remove it from their vehicles by requiring the state to offer an alternative plate at no extra cost that doesn't have In God We Trust on it. All right. So, but I mean, why not, right? Like, shouldn't just having In God We Trust on the license plate count as a church-state violation? Like, according to your own lawsuit, quote, the phrase in God we trust is rooted in hostility towards non-Christians and atheists intended to convey a message that non-belief in the Christian God is un-American, end quote. Shouldn't the goal be to get it off altogether? I mean, yes, the the motto is explicitly religious and, uh, in in my personal opinion, does violate the Establishment Clause and, and the hostility is part of that. And instinctively, you might want to say that, yes, that hostility that's at the root of In God We Trust should be enough to do away with something like this. But if I turn my lawyer brain on, I know that the answer to that question has to be no. Because if you look at, for instance, the Supreme Court's decision a couple of weeks ago in Fulton v. City of Philadelphia, you have to ask what makes something hostile and how much hostility is enough to invalidate a governmental policy. In Fulton v. City of Philadelphia, Catholic Social Services was asking the court to force the city to contract with them, despite the fact that they would not comply with the city's non-discrimination requirements. And in part, they based their arguments on a number of statements by government officials that they claimed were evidence of religious animus. And if you read the actual statements by the government officials, they either had nothing to do with Catholic social services or they were completely benign statements in the course of trying to come to an agreement with Catholic social services about this issue. So if we based it purely on whether there is hostility involved, it would raise a bunch of problems. And it's actually really easy to imagine harms that a government would seek to redress and that are motivated solely by religion. I'll offer a hypothetical. Let's say a private school that's run by a Christian science organization has a policy of confiscating medication that they find among a student's personal belongings. There's outcry over this, and the state decides to pass a law prohibiting any educational facility from interfering in the medical treatment of students that's prescribed or administered outside of the school. Okay. And during the legislative process, some member of the health committee for the state legislature raises this school situation as an example of what the problem is. Is that hostility? Would that statement invalidate the very thing that's trying to prevent the harm that the state has an interest in preventing? 
these are the kinds of things that we have to ask and why it goes beyond why it's about more than just hostility, which is a very long answer to a very simple question. Okay, but still, like, if either In God We Trust is an explicitly religious message, in which case, it, at least in my opinion, it's a violation of the Establishment Clause, or it isn't, and you have no, no lawsuit. So, so how is there a middle ground here? Well, it's important to note that we aren't bringing an Establishment Clause claim in this lawsuit. Okay. Now, there's a case out of the Ninth Circuit, Arano, from, like, 1970-something-something, something, where the Ninth Circuit somehow says that In God We Trust has no theological content. Hmm. Okay. I don't know what they yeah. based <laughs> that on. It seems like I'm, <laughs> I'm no lawyer here, but... Uh. There are there are things in the history of the court system where it's just like you didn't cite anything to that for that. You're just asserting some, you know, you're lying, essentially. Right. But regardless, we aren't raising an Establishment Clause claim here specifically because there's all this messiness about is it a religious statement? And the motto in and of itself doesn't require you to do anything. So there are standing questions. But we are bringing this challenge based on the fact that forcing someone to display the motto on their own private property is is just black letter compelled speech and violates the First Amendment's free speech clause and failing to provide atheists and non-Christians with an alternative if they have an objection to displaying a God we trust on their vehicle violates the free exercise clause. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, I guess if and baking a cake for a gay wedding is enough. But yeah, I, I would say we've certainly exactly. reached this line. Okay, so I, I have a, a little judiciary nomenclature question for you as well. So American atheists is suing the state of Mississippi, but the case is called Griggs v. Graham. So who the hell are Griggs and Grahams, and why are they stealing your thunder here? <laughs> sure. Well, uh, American atheist is a plaintiff in the case, but there are a number of other plaintiffs, three individual Mississippi residents, Jason Griggs, Kim Gibson, and Dorenda Hancock. There's also the Mississippi Humanist Association. And this case is about these Mississippi residents and really all Mississippi residents who are non-religious or non-Christian and object to this being on their vehicle. Jason Griggs, for example, is, uh, you know, a professor at the University of Mississippi. He does research into things like uh, designing medical implants that last longer inside the human body. He has brought actually a fair amount of funding to the university through grants and things like that to pursue these things that help Mississippi. Durant Hancock and Kim Gibson are long-term residents of Mississippi. A member of the Mississippi Humanist Association who has a disability has no choice but to display in God we trust on her vehicle because you have to have that in order to get a plate with a handicap plate. Really, you can't you can't even pay for a different license plate that doesn't that has a different image if you're if you're disabled. Nope. Wow. Nope. If you are disabled, except there is an alternate plate if you're hearing impaired. Don't know why, but that's the case. And because this case is about these Mississippi residents and what the state is requiring them to do, they are the named plaintiffs. Gotcha. Rather than rather than American atheists being at the top of the list. Okay. So now. I'm certainly not a legal expert, obviously. That's why I've got you on. Uh, but I feel like if there's one major shift in the American judiciary over the last few years, it's been this hard right towards theocracy. So I can't help wondering if this maybe isn't the right time for a lawsuit like this. Why bring this suit now? 
Well, we brought it now because a number of Mississippi residents contacted us late last year, and 2019 happens to be when Mississippi started forcing residents to put this on their vehicles. So this is when it happened. So this is when we bring this lawsuit. I understand that there are, you know, the trend at the Supreme Court is certainly not good in terms of religious liberty and religious equality. But if we're going to let some fear of what this court might potentially do about anything control our actions, I may as well pack up my office and go home. Right. There are cases that you have to bring, and particularly in in this case, I think there it's one that should be brought because all of the precedent is in our favor. This court is not going to overturn Willie v. Maynard and say the government can compel private individuals to display the government's preferred message on their private property because guess what? That's going to apply just as much to conservatives as liberals, to religious people as atheists or apatheists or, or whatever you want to term the people who just don't care. And the court's not going to take that step. So this this seemed like a case worth bringing. All the law is in our favor, and particularly after the court handed down its Fulton decision, this was kind of a no-brainer. Okay, so let, let's uh, kind of zero in on that because it, you know what I what I know of the Fulton decision, it, it didn't seem like anything good for atheists was going to arise from that. So can you explain the connection there? Sure. Well, like I mentioned earlier, Catholic Social Services wanted an exemption from the city's non-discrimination policy. And in addition to the statements that they claimed were hostile, they said that because the commissioner of health for the city had this unilateral ability to waive that requirement, they were entitled to that. This is something that's in the legal scholarly world uh, referred to as the most favored nation theory, that essentially if you if you offer any exemption to a law for reasons having absolutely nothing to do with religion, then you must also provide an equivalent greatest degree of protection to someone who seeks an exemption for religious reasons. And this is something that has been developing for a little while. Earlier this year in a case called Tandon v. Newsom, something on the Supreme Court's air quotes, shadow docket, laid out pretty clearly with regard to COVID restrictions, where California allowed things like liquor stores, grocery stores, laundromats to have people come in and conduct their business and leave. And the Supreme Court said that because they allowed that, the state also had to allow people to attend religious services. Otherwise, it was a violation of their free exercise. Here, as I mentioned, the state provides, for example, a free alternate license plate to people who are hearing impaired, and it happens to not include in God We Trust. They do the same for people who have received Purple Heart, active duty military, and the surviving spouses of veterans. There are a number of exemptions within the Mississippi law that provide alternative plates at no extra cost to certain narrow classes of people. And because they provide those exemptions under Tandon and under Fulton, we argue that the Supreme Court has to provide an exemption of equivalent type to atheists and non-Christians who have a religious objection to displaying in God we trust on their vehicle. They are entitled to no less treatment than someone who's deaf or a Purple Heart recipient or someone who works at a sheriff's office. Oh, that is that is awesome, like judicial jujitsu or something. That's very cool. <laughs> okay, so, but now, and, and, and I apologize because I don't want to harp on this too much, but 
Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves is basically daring you. Like he was, he was desperate for somebody to sue him over this, right? Like, it, like this, and, and like you said, this plate's only been around since 2019. He actually featured the plate in a campaign ad where he bragged about how much out-of-state liberals hate it. So, you know, is it wise to give him exactly what he's asking for here? I think this is a classic case of be careful what you wish for, especially in a campaign ad. Personally, I would like to thank Governor Reeves and and actually Mississippi Attorney General Fitch for going out of their way to help us in our compelled speech claim. They have been falling all over themselves in that campaign ad and in their media appearances about this to repeatedly point out that having In God We Trust on the state seal and on their license plates is a substantive message that the state intends to deliver using people's private property. The attorney general has gone so far as to say that in God we trust is an expression of the state of Mississippi's philosophy, which you couldn't ask for a better statement from a government official when you're trying to make a compelled speech claim. I mean, that going back to West Virginia Board of Education v. Barnett, the Supreme Court has said if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. This could not be a more clear example of the application of that language. Okay, so now obviously not all atheists are on board with this lawsuit because something, something hurting cats. I I know that a lot of people are going to see this and say <laughs> this is the wrong fight. There are more important things that we could be focusing our efforts on. So what do you say to the atheists who see this as, as like petty or, or too small to go after or just the wrong fight at the wrong time? To them, I, I would say, and Noah, I, I hope that you'll forgive me my turn of phrase here, but believe it or not, I am able to walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> and so um, no offense. No, I'm I, that's an insensitive comment, and I, I, I apologize and retract it. <laughs> I think it's a deserving one nonetheless, but okay, you do what you, you, do what you want with it. Um, and, and for that matter, so is every other litigator in the atheist movement. Um, we've been putting this lawsuit together, like I said, since late last year. During that time, we have been proceeding in our litigation against an Arkansas state senator who was censoring atheist constituents when they criticized him online. We just in the last month or two, we've been assisting a resident of Colorado in getting non-religious substance abuse treatment in a, in a rather emergency situation. We've filed a lawsuit against the Trump Department of Education and a number of other Trump agencies regarding religious social services. We are still pushing in legislatures to end child marriage laws in the United States. And we're preparing to oppose the diversion of public funds to religious private schools in the upcoming Supreme Court term. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the idea that um, because we're doing this means we're not doing anything else just strikes me as absurd. So I, I wish they would put a little more trust in us and that we have some idea of what we're doing. All that being said, let me, I just want to add one thing, and that is this may, you know, they construe not just atheists who may think. Warning, the following podcast contains full frontal profanity. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Movement, ZipRecruiter, IP Vanish, and by 
Sydney Powell's new restaurant chain where you never know what you're going to get, but you know it'll be fucking crazy. Kraken Barrel. Because seriously, y'all, she's really going to need the money. And now, the scathing atheist. This is Dominic DiStefano from the Burnt Church Atheist Podcast. And just in case you were wondering, here's my youngest. We call him Benny Two Cups. It's July 15th. And it's St. Swithin's Day. Yeah, because Groundhog Day doesn't have nearly enough necromancy. Good stuff. <laughs> I've, been, I've been saying that for years. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Grover, Cleveland's New Jersey, Cincinnati Red State, and Redtown Blue State, this is The Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, CPAC reminds us just how secure our jobs are. <laughs> right? Bible study is... Literally synonymous with domestic terrorism this week. It is. And Tom and Cecil will be here with more kinds of dissonance than they give themselves credit for. But first, the diatribe. I noticed a pair of remarkable op-eds this week, one in the New York Times and the other in the Washington Post, and they weren't remarkable so much for what they said as where they said it. The WAPO one was titled, Why are white evangelicals embracing an anti-democratic movement? Because they're panicking. Uh, The other was a little more direct. It was called, The Christian Right is in Decline and it's Taking America with It. So both of them were written in response to a new survey from the Public Religion Research Institute called the 2020 Census of American Religion. And like pretty much all national surveys about religion in the past decade or two, it wasn't great news for the Christian right. Among its most significant findings was that evangelicals are now outnumbered by white mainline Protestants. In fact, the number of evangelicals has been plummeting. They they peaked back in 2006 when they represented 23% of the population, and now they represent about 14.5%. That's a loss of over 25 million people. Now, of course, running away from them doesn't necessarily mean running towards us. While nuns remain the largest religious demographic on the survey, those 25 million plus fleeing the evangelical churches are mostly pushing their chips over to the other side of the table rather than cashing out. They're joining mainline Protestant churches, which in demographic parlance basically means they're just going to less politically active congregations. And, of course, in most ways, that's a good thing. It means that the assholes screaming about how gay rights are a violation of their religious freedom are losing clout. It means that appealing to voters' Christian prejudices is getting to be a less viable national strategy for politicians. And it means that the long-term trends are all in our favor. But it's not all good news, right? Because they're looking at the same numbers we are. The fact that so many people are going to so much trouble to enshrine stuff like I can still hate gay people if Jesus says so into law is precisely because they know they're on their way out of the inner circle. 
there was never a need to write this shit down in law books as long as it looked like they were always going to have a comfortable supermajority. But ever since the largest religious demographic shifted to doesn't give a shit, they've been in a desperate race to try to codify their bigotry while they still can. The problem, of course, is that as good as the secular world was doing, we reached a certain point where we said, ah, finally, we've got this dangerous animal cornered. There's nowhere it can escape to now, so who's up for some lunch? In the wake of the religious terrorism that rung in the new millennium, we actually went on the war path a bit. You know, not just the atheist movement, but kind of everybody. We fought back against the dangers of religious extremism, but as soon as we got the beast cornered, we started arguing about what to do next. Some people thought it might be best to just, you know, tidy up that corner so our prey could live out their life comfortably there. Others figured maybe we should also trap ourselves in a corner so that it would be fair. But most people just threw their hands up in celebration and screamed, hooray, we did it, and then they went home. After all, some of the people they'd been on the hunt with were a bunch of assholes, and they didn't want to associate with them any longer than they had to. In fact, so many people turned their backs on the hunt that when the beast started to fight its way out, most of them didn't even notice until it had elected a fucking president. And that's how we wound up here, a spot where evangelicals' power is on the rise at the same time that their numbers are on the wane. Look, you and I are fighting for a lot of good shit. We're fighting for reason and logic. We're fighting for education and science. We're fighting for civil rights and the best possible future for our children. But as noble as all of that is, it's never going to motivate us like fighting for God. The, the, the best we can ever fight for is something that actually exists. But they can imagine shit far grander than reality so they can fight for things like eternity and the salvation of human souls. And sure, for a lot of them, that's all just bullshit to try to sell more heaven tickets. But for some of them, it's real. And that means when their loss looks inevitable, they can be more desperate than you and I could ever be. After all, we're talking about people who resorted to terrorism even when they were in power. And if they're not afraid to break this country when it's theirs, just imagine what they'll be willing to do when it isn't. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the fire flower and tanuki suit to my one-up mushroom, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, <laughs> are you ready to empower? You know what? I'm actually a penguin suit guy. Really? <laughs> Fucking ice yeah. suck. You can slide. Ah, I would have said cat suit, so there you go. Yeah. By the way, if you Google tanuki suit, make sure you do it with safe search on, people. Very <laughs> important that you do it with safe search on. Disagree. Don't have Eli's search history. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while we sort that out, we're going to take a quick break for a word from this week's first sponsor, Movement. Hey, welcome to Typical Watch Buying Experience. Let me shake your hand way too hard. I'm Bryce with a J. Ow. Ow. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Um. So I'm looking for a watch. Uh, you know, something I can wear every day or something to class up an outfit a little bit. I heard absolutely nothing you just said, but feast your eyes on this. It's the ZX4000. They call it that because it's $5,000. Sorry, they call it the, the ZX4000. Ooh, or maybe you'd prefer this. Yeah, okay. yeah, maybe you're a slick Tarun kind of guy. The back is so sharp, it will literally harm you. What? Why would anybody want that? $9,000. Okay, I feel like you're not listening. I just want a nice, classy watch that doesn't break the bank. Oh, then you want movement watches. Oh, what? are movement watches. Movement watches have the look and quality of a $400 to $500 watch you're paying for at a department store, but cost a fraction of the price because they were built online and own their process from start to finish. Okay, that sounds great, but 
Are they actually nice? You're darn tootin' they are. Movement let us try oh, one out, and it's literally the know. most compliments I've ever gotten on a piece of clothing. They really are classic, good-looking watches at a fraction of what you'd pay at a department store. Plus, you don't have to deal with this guy. Do you want to hear a sexist joke? I have sexist nope. jokes. No, no, I do not. And now, Movement's expanded into blue light glasses to protect your eyes from screens, minimalist jewelry, and more style essentials that don't break the bank. All designed out of their California headquarters. That sounds pretty great. So, where do I sign up? If you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, then join the movement and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash scathing. Again, that's mvmt.com slash scathing. All right. I guess I'm done here with you. But, Noah, question. If you already have a movement watch, what are you doing here? Oh, uh, uh, Bryce and I fight in the parking lot every day at three. You know we do. Yeah, cool. That's nice for you guys. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, there might finally be evidence of a link between Christianity and violence. Weird. Ooh. Yeah. And also a link to crazy idiots carrying out domestic terrorism because of a thoroughly debunked conspiracy theory. But enough about the general history of Christianity. Yeah, that's all we have of a story <laughs> from this week about the Capitol riot and the crazy idiots who carried out domestic terrorism because of a thoroughly debunked conspiracy theory. And just about all of them just happen to be Christian. Coincidence. More specifically, we learned last week that one particular terrorist cell was using Bible study as a cover for their treason and guns club. That was part of the rioting on January 6th. I mean, depending on the chapter and verse, trying to overthrow the government could very well count as Bible study. Yeah. I don't know that we can oh, right. sure. render unto Caesar that which is in a can of whoop-ass. I remember that verse. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right? in Ephesians. Uh, so we heard about this during the criminal trial of one of the Capitol rioters who has a name. I forgot the name. We're going to call him Mr. Go Fuck Yourself. It was something very similar to that. So apparently Mr. Go Fuck Yourself was leading a militia group, and they were calling it Bible study. According to court documents, they mostly focused on firearms training and stuff related to that that I am certain uh, they referred to as tactical maneuvers while they were doing it. <laughs> Mostly like hand signals they saw in a movie about Navy SEALs and that serpentine running yeah, thing. Yeah, a lot of sure. aborted dive roll attempts, I would imagine. You know, they got... <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so when Mr. Go Fuck Yourself was in Washington in January, he made friends with a fellow domestic terrorist. Spoiler, it's an undercover cop. Sure the fuck was. And the cop was like, Hey, fellow treason enthusiast, we are the same age. Are you part of a treason club? Tell me all about it. Just uh, right into my chest area. Incarnation. <laughs> Tell me all about that. And Mr. Go Fuck Yourself said, yeah, well, great question about the treason club. I actually have a, literal words, cloak and dagger group created to build resistances for what will inevitably come. Huh. And Go Fuck Yourself invited his very normal new friend to their meetings. That's where Go Fuck Yourself told his members to, quote, keep your guns and be ready to use them. <laughs> Go Fuck Yourself also mentioned the manifesto he was working on. He used the word manifesto, and he said, quote, if I get into a gunfight with the feds and I don't make it, 
I want to be able to transfer as much wisdom to my son as possible. Do you have, uh, do you have a I straw? Mean... <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh... Watching your head explode from a sniper's bullet is going to teach you plenty, <laughs> Mr. Go Fuck Yourself. A thousand words. That's just me. <laughs> okay, so how do you get to the point where you like you realize the thing you're writing is a manifesto, but you don't realize you're the bad guy? <laughs> right? It's a simple flow chart. Like, am I writing a manifesto? Am I Karl Marx? Then I'm the fucking bad, bad guy. guy. Yep. That's, yeah. that's the rule. Everybody knows that's the rule. So <laughs> the good news is we caught this guy. But the bad news, people just like him absolutely get extra cover from having any kind of Christian title for their group. Yep. Cops weren't willing to enforce laws about no plaguing during a global pandemic yep. when the offender was a church. Somehow, I get the feeling that Christian gunfighting Bible study might get some extra leeway, too, sometimes. Bottom line, if you have a Christian title for your thing, that should be... Extra suspects, not the opposite, because data. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I also feel like it's bad news that all it takes to find a terrorist cell is walk around a Trump rally going, hey, any guys got a terrorist cell I could join? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to buy mushrooms in a fucking dead show? Hey, pss, pss, terrorists? <laughs> and in Cthorn and my side news. Nice. It's CPAC week, and while for most of the country that means a startlingly horrifying reminder of just how much money and personal investment there is in being evil, here at The Scathing Atheist it means a cornucopia of material to talk to you about. Basically, every right-wing asshole on our show gets on a stage a couple times a year and competes to make it on the podcast like Un-American Idol. Mm -hmm. And, of course, our first golden ticket winner this week was GOP representative and the worst thing on wheels since the Chevrolet Corvair, okay. Madison Cawthorn, who claims... Knows a big fan of the Corvair. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only option. Who claimed that President Joe Biden's vaccination efforts were part of a plot to eventually steal people's guns and Bibles. All right, guys, working backwards, we have... Steal all guns and Bibles, and uh, then, you know, going to the left, we have start a global pandemic. So we just need to connect these dots somehow. <laughs> they think that was the meeting. Yep. They think that was the plan. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is if we're coming for their guns and Bibles, we must be coming the long way round, right? <laughs> like fucking Moses is 40 years of walking to get 500 miles to Canaan, got nothing on us. <laughs> yeah, it's a very convoluted plan. So a little background on this. The vast majority of folks who aren't vaccinated at this point in the United States are, well, they're children yeah. who can't get the vaccine yet. But the folks who can get the vaccine but haven't are actually still largely made up of folks who can't take the time off work or are homebound and can't get to a max vaccination site. So door-to-door -door distribution of vaccines, especially to that latter group, is vital because a lot of them are older, but many of them just, like, don't have a car or can't afford public transportation to a vaccine Or clinic. live in a place there is no public transportation, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which is most places, yeah. Yeah. Almost all the places. So, point is, there are lots of good reasons for this new door-to-door -door initiative to get people their shots. And literally only someone truly as evil as Madison Cawthorn could have posted. Yeah. So, of course he did. In an interview with, I don't know, I could have looked it up, but it's some white asshole. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Who cares? <laughs> asshole McAsshole face from Christian University. Cawthorn said, quote, the thing about the mechanisms that they would have to build to be 
able to actually execute that massive of a thing. And then think about what those mechanisms could be. Nope. And then constructed that sentence really badly. (laughs) And then think about what those mechanisms could be used for. They can go door to door to take your guns. They can then go door to door to take your Bibles and very laborious quotes. That's actually true about the big mechanism. Joe Biden invented doors and other doors. Yeah, (laughs) we already have. I look, dude, I could use you to stop up a toilet, Madison. That's not what makes you a piece of shit, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is obviously bullshit, dangerous, lying bullshit, which will kill people and contributes to the extension of a plague, which we could have beaten a year ago. But more importantly, it leaves me, Eli Bosnick, with a terrible dilemma. See, I want to be a good ally to disabled folks, but whatever's about to happen. I also really want to tip over Madison Cawthorn. There it is, boo. So bad. It's my dream. It's the center of my vision board. Stepping away from my microphone. So what I am asking you, podcast listener, if you are a wheelchair user, please give me your blessing to push over Madison Cawthorn. That wouldn't matter. Why would they be able to do do it together? If they did it, it would be fine. Hands and knees behind the pool situation. I'll kneel you. you why would you need? We'll workshop it. Kneel. I'm just saying. I need this. Get at me on <laughs> Twitter. Christ. I don't think you can trip a wheel the way you're describing now, there's, it. It certainly would not help that you were kneeling behind it. Yeah. Can't find out if you don't try. And yes, you can. You can just sure can. Broad experiment. And in Willing and Babel news tonight, <laughs> as if showing the world how far from seaworthy or buildable Noah's Ark was didn't do enough to dissuade people from biblical literalism, Ken Ham has another idea up his sleeve. On the fifth anniversary of his stupid-ass park's opening last week, Ham announced that within a few years, he'd be opening up a full-sized replica of the Tower of Babel. This is so stupid. Because that worked out <laughs> so well last time, I guess. But I guess perhaps reasoning that he's immune to the punishment since the shit he says already doesn't make any sense. Ham is going to push forward, apparently. Okay. I guess that's right. Yeah, and he's got safety checks in place. You just build till the workers start randomly speaking Chinese and then you knock a few blocks off the top yeah. and you stop there. That's the building. <laughs> okay. Hot take. Ken Ham doesn't read. Yeah. I think, I think he's an illiterate person that would just explain doesn't know how to read. A lot. Right? Yeah. So according to his recent announcement, it'll take about three years to research, plan, and build his Tower of Babel attraction. But perhaps even sillier than his belief that this would actually be a replica of something that existed in history is his belief that the new attraction will, quote, tackle the racism issue, end quote. What? Okay. Yeah, because, you know, if anybody's ever going to crack that racism nut, it's probably going to be a white evangelical capitalist in Kentucky. Yeah, they're nailing it. Okay, maybe what he means is that once we all learn that God created Latin verb conjugation to spite us, we'll join together and overthrow him once that and for all. Make, okay, all right, I can okay. see the path there. But that whole Bible story is about God creating more ethnicities, right? Mm-hmm. So Ken Ham's thinking to himself, like, all right, we do it again. Maybe God does the opposite, and then so, like, no more race theory, and then I fixed it. Yeah, no, it's like fixing amnesia in a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Now, we should be clear here. This is not the first time Ken Ham has announced that he was going to build his own Tower of Babel. And given what we know from his public filings, there's no fucking way the park is so flush with cash that it's going to be breaking the ground on new shit anytime soon. <laughs> so to a certain degree, this is a he's going to redo the whole park in levels kind of an announcement. But after a dozen years of making fun <laughs> of how he was never going to get a stupid arc built, I'm not writing him off just yet. So yeah, might have more stories on this in the future. And next up in headlines, we have a follow-up story about Christian healthcare. Still a scam, turns yep. out. Still a scam. Mm -hmm. Same for all the stuff that starts with Christian that yep. I've ever mm -hmm. checked. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we got a new example this week. Christian banks. What? So, yeah. You know how banks are great, but they're always killing babies? Killing babies, yeah. Huh? yeah. yeah. Well, uh, somebody fixed it. <laughs> Apparently, an evangelical minister got tired of his secular bank and how they hold all the money non-Christianly. So he started up a Christian bank. It's called <laughs> Pro-Life Bank. <laughs> One word. Yeah, and they are getting my sperm donation whether they want it or not, damn it. <laughs> We're taking the owning out of loaning. You, guys, you, guys, you can keep that if you want it. It's fantastic. Okay, so the plucky new entrepreneur who is disrupting the world of atheist banking <laughs> is Nick Vujicic. In case anyone's not familiar, he runs the anti-choice ministry called Life Without Limbs, <laughs> which I initially thought was a very aggressive title about an early stage fetus. <laughs> it's not. It's not that. It's actually about Vujicic being born without arms and legs. So, okay. So, Eli, no jokes about tipping him over, okay? Yeah, can we just skip Why that? No jokes about words. You got I didn't remember your thing. We're just going to push right past it. I'm going to say, you know, good work overcoming that adversity. But everything else about you is fucking terrible. That being said, he does have some evidence for God. But when he was staying at a hotel in San Francisco, a team of demons walked right into his room. Huh. Are, are you curious about the dimensions? Yes, of the I was wondering. I about am, the, yeah. the demons were ten feet tall and five feet wide. So, God is real. I'm starting a bank. Give me all your money. Well, right. Okay. Yeah, no, he's, that was the end of the story. Be perfect at banking because he's familiar with um, re repossession. I don't. I just. I don't get the connection <laughs> there. Then. Yeah. So, besides the fact that somewhat large demons attacked him in San Francisco, sheetrock. Yeah, and, and of course all the banks killing babies. Aside from that, Vujicic has one other big reason for starting his Christian bank. Ooh, ooh, is it is it persecution? It's perse yep. It's <laughs> he claims that his atheist bank kicked him out for no reason. <laughs> they froze all his accounts, what? and they sent him a really mean letter explaining how he sucks as a person so the bank doesn't want his business anymore. And you got completely frozen out. I bet that's the whole story moving on. <laughs> sure. Is. Who is this wonderful bank and how do I open an account with them? Yeah, I really want to know now. So apparently, Nikki Vuj analyzed the banking sector and found out that everyone is giving money to kill babies in that entire sector. Huh. So he decided to finally get some Christian people into the American banking game. And just like any good businessman, he found a slice of the economy that was not being served. According to the website for the new bank, they did three entire weeks of research on this. The whole thing. And they found exactly zero banks 
that were forcing people to give birth against their will. So there you go. Niche discovered. Mm, I don't know, guys. I've met the founder, and it seems like this business might cost you an arm and a leg. And if you're feeling a little down and you want a quick laugh, you definitely need to check out their website. It's ridiculous. The top of the landing page for ProLifeBank.com says, Noah built an ark to save lives. We're building a bank to do the same. And the rest is basically Tinder bios for Nick and his partner, Betsy. It's not at all clear that they understand even like the general concept of what a bank does in no, real reality. No, no, no. It's like that novel you've been working on was a financial institution. <laughs> it's not looking good. Yeah, Chris, just put your money there. The guy whose accounts all got frozen. <laughs> And finally tonight, in Hail Mary full of critical race news, there are lots of reasons to send your children to a private Catholic school. Smaller class sizes on average, better funding for extracurricular activities, or, you know, legally enshrined bigotry. There you go. Well, that last one was mostly the reason that Anthony and Barbara Scarpo sent their kids to the Academy of the Holy Names in Tampa, Florida. An academy they are now suing for their money and donations back for being, as shit you not, too woke. (laughs) Jesus Christ. My clients demand legal recourse. Give them their money back or say the N-word right now. I'm a lawyer (laughs) in Florida. This is my real job today. I really, this is me at my job. A lawyer in Florida. Like, I, I feel like. You know, the Florida bar probably has a question where you have to draw lines from the slur word to the correct picture, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot like a Denny's placement. Yeah, you got part of yeah. the Florida bar. You got to color in a frame from. Birth I'm of a sure nation. you're not the first person to compare the Florida bar to a Denny's placement. <laughs> so here's the story. Anthony and Barbara, or Banthony, if you will, originally <laughs> pledged $1.35 million to the school, but they have since withdrawn their pledge and are demanding a full refund of their tuition because, quote, the academy in actuality failed to provide any semblance of a Catholic education conforming to mainstream Catholicism or the Catholic catechism, and instead insidiously indoctrinated its students, requiring that they, quote, check their white privilege, end quote, and feel sufficiently guilty merely because of the color of their skin and because their parents could afford their attendance at the academy, and the one point. Three five million dollar to a Jesus. Christ. Seriously, that that was a real quote. The complaint also specifically mentions that the school condemned the bigotry reflected in the deaths of Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor. That was in the complaint. There were, that was the complaint. Jesus they did that. Christ. <laughs> Also, white people should feel guilty. We're the fucking worst. Yeah, <laughs> so, if you don't feel guilt, that's you're you're like crazy. You're doing that's it wrong. wrong. Yeah. Okay, but if all these guys have to prove is that mainstream Catholicism is racist, this seems like a slam dunk, right? Like they they've already won. <laughs> but that's not all. You see, the academy also acknowledged the existence of gay people. Quote. Oh, shit. Contrary to its advertising as being a Catholic school, Defendant Academy avoided and continues to avoid all mention of mainstream Catholicism or the accepted Catholic catechism. All of them? They didn't hear it. They're going to keep For going, example, yep, on a blackboard, 
at the entrance to the school where all ages pass, Defended Academy explains how to be a good ally to LGBTQ plus individuals. <sighs> Persecution. But utterly fails to put any part of this explanation into perspective with mainstream Catholicism or the Catholic Catechism. <laughs> end quote. It is literally what I said as a joke before, but with a yep. different slur word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, well, come on, Heath. I'm pretty sure they would have accepted any slur word. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, but okay. most of them, yeah. Here's my favorite part. Here's my favorite part. In addition to asking for a refund, the lawsuit demands that the school, quote, be stopped from advertising itself as a Catholic institution and for the Florida Catholic Conference to stop accrediting the school. The lawsuit, quote. The, the, the courts can do that, huh? <laughs> okay, or, or, or at least threaten to not give it communion. That's the Catholic thing yeah. to do, right? Sorry, it's, it's a false advertising claim yeah. <laughs> because of not enough bigotry. Yep. That's literally what just happened. I, feel like I dug up the back of the basketball courts. There were no indigenous oh, babies Jesus back there. Christ. Zero. <laughs> None. Show me a dead indigenous baby <laughs> or say the N-word or give me $1.35 million. <laughs> My job today. So weird day. Yeah, this lawsuit is almost certain to fail, and the school has already indicated that they intend to countersue for the money that Bethany pledged. And look, I don't like to take the side of a Catholic institution ever. Right. But don't have a but. But Academy of Super Special Names or whatever the fuck you're called. If you're listening, and we know you are, huge fans of the pod. If you win this lawsuit, you 100 percent need to create a gay scholarship named after these people. <laughs> the I, I will become, yes, I will become as Catholic as Joe Biden. Do you hear me, okay. Holiness? This is your chance to win one. All right, and while Eli explores yet another option of how to devour man flesh in front of a church full of people, I suppose we can close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumaji. And when we come back, Tom and Cecil will be here to help us form Insult Voltron. The following is a reenactment of Eli Bosnick's actual hiring experience the week before last. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello, old boss from the toy company. How are you? What's that? You're trapped in England and need to hire people for a new location in New Jersey. Well, sure, I'd be happy to help. Hmm, you know, I've been advertising with ZipRecruiter for years. Maybe I should actually try them out and see how the service works. But you know what? I'll post on those other sites I used to use when I was hiring just to be on the safe side. Well, hello there, theater job website. What have you got for me? I found over a hundred responses. Wow, that's great. Wait, m most of these people think they're applying for an acting job. Yes, yes, I guess people just go down me applying to everything. Oh, that's... That's really useless. Um, uh, well, what about you, website that's probably too old for anyone normal to be using it anymore? I will give you $8 million for your checking account number. Yep, no, you, you used to be like that, and you are still like that. Okay, well, how about you, ZipRecruiter? Oh, yeah, uh, here you go. Wow, it's a dozen qualified candidates who actually know what job they're applying for and seem like a good fit. How did you do this, ZipRecruiter? Well, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over a 100 top job sites with one click. Then, 
ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Wow, you really did. Like, it's not just ad copy. You actually got me qualified candidates within the first day like you say you do. Yeah, I did. I did exactly what I say I do. Huh. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options or whatever it was that old website presented me with, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. Once again, remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Would you like to read another very, very sad cover letter? No, I would not, Theater Jobs website. I would not like that. We're back and we're excited to bring you what we're pretty sure is the anti-penultimate, maybe even pen- oh, penultimate man. edition a word? of the years, yeah. uh, the year before last, Vulgarity <laughs> for Charity <laughs> on Scathing. That's just, we're not counting <laughs> the couple Christ. of segments we still have left to do on cognitive oh, business. And speaking of which, let's uh, welcome our partners in at least this particular crime. Tom Cecil, <laughs> welcome back, guys. Hey, Noah, it's not a sprint, it's marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it might even be several. Yeah, no, it's an We're Iron Man people from the before time. Yep. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some of them like, that are weird because now there's been a pandemic. Yeah. 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 This is insults from the preface to the road. That's what <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> All right. So Heath, how about you start us off? Jared would like a roast of Merck's Law. Okay, that's a pretty good pick. So Merck's law is the assumption that only Democrats have agency or influence over American politics. Sounds super dumb. Literally yeah. impossible even. <laughs> but somehow, way too many people make arguments that contain it. It usually sounds something like this. So Democrats tried to pass that voting rights bill as a bluff, and they secretly knew it wouldn't work. And that's how we know that Joe Biden is actually a Republican in disguise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In which case, he has no agency. My whole thing fell apart. I'm stupid. So that's what it usually looks like. One other example. I voted for Jill Stein in the general in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Great example. Fuck the Supreme Court forever. It, yeah. You have to think about that. That's you. That's your fault. Yeah. All right. So Cecil Hein Peter would like a roast of his partner, Laura. Okay, wait. So you're from Amsterdam and they're from California. When you met Laura, were they panhandling with devil sticks at the Beck show when he was still on tour? <laughs> right? Didn't your mother tell you not to date people from shithole countries, man? <laughs> oh, <God>. Laura <laughs> looks like she had to quickly find a costume for a Halloween party and the only store that was open was Hot Topic. <laughs> Noah, Noah, this one's back to you. William wants you to rip into his uncle Richard. Oh, God. That, okay, so this motherfucker runs a mission for the needy that he uses to shelter his slumlord money. Oh, no. Right? Like, like he, has a, he had a business, had a business what? running Section 8 housing until HUD pulled funding because what? he had too many rats and snakes oh. in both his tenements and his fucking soul. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, he looks like Mike Lindell went as Roger Ebert for Halloween. It's kind of a weird yeah. visual. <laughs> All right, Tom, you're up next. Nicholas would like you to roast his ex-boyfriend, Josh. 
All right, Josh was an abuser and a manipulator. But you know what the most important part of that sentence is, Nicholas? Was. Because to you, for whatever else he is, Josh is also past tense. And while there's nothing that fixes the past, Nicholas, there's also almost certainly nothing that fixes Josh. And as the world moves steadily forward and more and more of us learn to spot the red flags and signs of abusers and clumsy manipulators like Josh, they will find themselves more and more unable to ply their trade and lacking the skills to really connect. Josh will become more and more isolated. And you, Nicholas, you will look up one day and smile when you realize you forgot his fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fucked up if he did already and it's just it took us two years to get to <laughs> right, it? Yeah. 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 Hey, isn't that yours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Eli, uh, you're going to close out round one. Jimmy would like a roast of his co-worker, Michael. Jimmy. Jimmy, when you said in your note that Michael had a dumb face, you were not kidding. Jimmy. I specialize in stupid faces. I look at Greg Locke's face on a regular basis, mm -hmm. but Michael, Michael takes the fucking cake. He looks like he's reading the instructions on how to shit that he's taped to the side of his bathroom wall. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like if Thanos hadn't gone after all the Infinity Stones because he couldn't count that high. That's what Michael looks like. First he wrote it on the toilet paper, and then he was like, oh, okay, oh, I see what happens. Post it. i got to read it before I throw it in next time. Okay. <laughs> All right, time for round two. This category is people who, Heath, you're up first. Cindy would like a roast of people who blow off fireworks and not on the 4th of July. Okay. Well, here's my hot take on this. Maybe instead of getting a bunch of kids together and exploding bombs, we do... Literally anything else. Pretty much yeah. So I'm saying it's dumb on the 4th of July, too. Seems like a good plan for all the days with numbers to not get kids together and explode bombs. Uh, also, people who do that, dogs hate you, and I hope you die. They so, there you go. When the god of thunder attacks their entire universe with a hail of gunfire, dogs don't really care about tax evaders having a big day 245 years ago. <laughs> Fuck you. And Cecil... Danny wants you to shit on people who are assholes on public transportation. Oh, what the fuck? You fucking fuckhead that has to have a bag and a perfectly made seat for a human. You don't have to mark your territory like a dog. This isn't a fiefdom. You don't have to claim the seat next to you like Columbus collecting islands on a Caribbean <laughs> tour. <laughs> just, I'll just stand here like the rest of the people in this human Play-Doh fun factory while you spread out and open air your nuts. <laughs> fuckhead. Okay, Noah, you're up. Lindsay wants a roast of every dickhole who has a bias against black cats. And this roast is also for me. Good pick, Lindsay. This one's good. Right? Well, okay, first of all, if there's any kind of cat that you don't like, fuck you. Okay, just fuck <laughs> you. I'm still kind of pissed at that lady in Atlanta for calling animal control about the ocelot or whatever that crawled into bed with her instead of just spooning with him and giving him fucking belly rubs. God damn it. Anyway. Fuck you and your bullshit superstitious cat racism. You you you're afraid they're gonna put a curse on you? What would be worse than being so stupid you think cats can put curses on people? You think you wouldn't be better off as a newt? You're smart for a newt, right? You probably are above average for a newt. Not doing so well as a human. All right, Tom, I got one for you. All right. Daniel wants you to make some people cry because they deserve it. The target is, and keep in mind that this was requested way pre pandemic. People who are anti-vax and anti-flu shot. Okay. Topical. Uh, anti-vax and anti-flu shot. Okay, let's see. 
Hey, assholes, here's something that isn't hyperbole, but is a perfect actual truth. Somewhere, someone's loved one was turned over onto their stomach, drowning from their own lungs and dying alone while their family wept and mourned from a distance. Their hands clasped together because they couldn't be there to hold the hands of their dying loved one. And that is your fault. That is personally your fault. That death and more. That pain, that agony, that weeping, that is all on you. Because even if you never got anyone sick, your stubborn denial to accept reality and science and facts gives cover for the next guy who did get sick and who spread that shit. And let's be clear, no one needed to catch it. And my sincere and honest and truest hope is not that you get sick, but that someone you love, the person you cherish the very most, I hope that they fucking get sick. I want that person to get sick, too, to be clear. Thomas being <laughs> well, but second, it, the order matters. Yeah. Any order for me, really. <laughs> and I hope with all of my fucking heart that you have to FaceTime them as they die alone. And when you watch them slip away in pain and agony and loneliness, I hope you know that it's your fucking fault. And I hope you never forgive yourself. <laughs> All right, Tom is hoping for the death of the loved ones of his uh, his roasties again. Three votes. Three votes. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's fair. It's fair. I'm, I'm there. Um, so, Eli, Doug's proxy wants some hate for people who piss on the toilet seat in the what? men's room. You know what, Ducks? I bet your penis works great every single time, doesn't it, Doug? <laughs> What are you, 20, 25, Australian? Oh, sure. Every P is just a spear that flies forth perfectly, hitting whatever target you choose. Well, some of us aren't that lucky, Ducks. <laughs> some of us have noticed, I'm going to say it, a leak or two in the hose over the past couple of years. The spiral seems to have uncoiled a bit. Sure. Spiral? I want to clean it up. Who's to say who pisses off the one spiral? I sprinkle a bit and all of a sudden I'm the fucking janitor, Ducks? No, Ducks. You, you check your penis working privilege, my friend. <laughs> but those guys who smear shit on the walls, they they can fuck themselves. You smear uh, shit on the That's weird. Lift the thing. Anyway, okay. I'm sorry, Eli, is it like a phone cord? What are you describing? <laughs> I, like a pig's tail. <laughs> I'm convinced every man. So you know how your pee is a oh, spiral? Oh, no. Why did you ask No. Nope. Sorry, my urine is lamellar flow. It just comes out perfectly straight every time. I'm tired of finding out weird stuff about my dick. I'm 33. <laughs> they promised it would stop someday. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, we've still got some roasts to do. Before we wrap them up, we're going to take one last break from a word for our, our final sponsor this week, IP Vanish. Okay, and then Tuesday for scathing? Yep, that works for me. Oh, that actually doesn't work for me. I have a doctor's appointment. No. No, you don't. What? Yep. Yes, I do. I have no. A, I have... No, you're you're meeting up with Mike from eBay to get those body pillows you ordered. Dad, what? I, I was I was tired of you guys always making up excuses for missing our records, so I hacked your computers. Dude, seriously? Not cool, Noah. Well, I'm sorry, but if you wanted to keep your information safe, you should have been using IP Vanish. Oh, what's a body pillow? Nope. Nope. Not what the ad is for. Oh, I'm. Um, are you sure? I am very sure, yes. Okay. Okay. What's IP Vanish? 
IPVanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is a super important tool that helps you safely browse the Internet. You can use a VPN on your computers, tablets, phones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. And when you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. So, Heath, I wouldn't know that you've been taking Mario Kart lessons for the last four months in a desperate hope what? of beating uh, a child. It's, it's a child who cheats. It's a cheating child. They're but cheating. But at $100 an hour, Heath, really? Victory at any cost. Okay, well, luckily for you and listeners of the show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off, just $349 for the first month or $3149 for the year. So, Eli, you could even afford it with your crippling gambling addiction. It's not gambling. It's pachinko. It's a Japanese thing. You wouldn't understand it. It's okay, not. it's still... Okay, but just go to ipvanish.com slash scathing and claim your 65% savings. They have plans that start at just $349 or $3149 a year. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and their current promotional offering, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with over 6,000 reviews. Show these guys some love. They're repeat sponsors. Remember, it's ipvanish.com slash scathing to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. Well, I'm definitely in. All right. So, uh, Gam record on Friday? Oh, Friday? Uh, I can't. I have a, um, I'm, uh, I'm spying on a child's Mario Kart strats. Saturday it is time. I can do Saturday. You're really good. <laughs> okay. Still rolling with people who, Heath, you're up next. Lauren was a roast of people who are white boomers claiming to be priests of African religions. Uh, <laughs> okay. How neat yeah. So <laughs> boomers who do that, bring it in. You know how the president of Zimbabwe is not the British Museum? <laughs> it's like that. Stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. And before you even say it, I know... You voted for Obama and you own a djembe. Don't tell me that. Still no. Still stop what you're doing. Oh, and now you want to name your your black friend? You want to name your Okay, yeah. Three, two. Not much time left. Don't say dashiki. Dashiki! Uh, you said dashiki. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> That's your shirt. All right. You said hats. <laughs> Cecil, Sharon wants you to roast people who drive four-wheel drive in the snow too fast. <laughs> Okay, schmuck. I realize your Infinity F35 has all-wheel drive, but you have no idea how to pilot that thing in the best of conditions. What makes you think you're capable of swallowing that thing through rush hour traffic? Traction to move forward does nothing to help you stop. You're about to play Newton's Cradle with your baby on board, fuckhead. You gotta accelerate into this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turn real hard, yeah. Okay, Noah, back to you. Roger wants a roast for people who think the war on Christmas is real. Oh, I just, I, it's one of the delights of being atheists, right? You occasionally you're just out like, you know, walking your dog or whatever, you look over and there's some out of breath Christian and you're going like, oh shit, was I winning a race against you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean, no, you were there. But here's the thing. So what if it is real? Right? Your guy is the creator of the goddamn universe. He has brimstone cannons and a pause button for the fucking sun. We've got inclusive greetings and a holiday neutral Starbucks cup. You should be inviting this competition. And at the very least, you should be winning it. Yeah, that's, that's the big one. All right, Eli, you're next. Colin asked for a roast of people who are Canadian. And Trump supporters. What? <laughs> what? No? Oh, Canadian Trump supporters. Right up there with Brexit fans and 
fiddlers of the late Roman Empire. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, Canadian Trump supporters. Is your nation not going to shit fast enough for you? Yeah, President Blackface has you locked in a bubble like you read the first two chapters of World War Z. Your healthcare system's been handed over to the crack that Rob Ford smoked. And you want to support Donald fucking Trump? Canadian Trump supporters, listen up. If you want to live in America, we will swap with you. Yeah, yeah. Name the river. Yep. I'm, on I'm you. You're me. Yeah. Fucking A, man. I'll even buy you a hat. Yeah. Fuck it up. All right, Tom, you're going to close out this round. Ted wants you to roast people who are his sister's ex and are named Pat. I'm, so, I'm sorry, we just we only had nine that fit the theme that I was doing. So. <laughs> I was going to say. Pat. All right, well, for some reason, one of the things I was supposed to know about Pat, sandwiched among, like, many very bad things, was the fact that he likes to skip work to go sailing. I'm not sure that why that's bad. Maybe he's bad at sailing. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't clear. Anyway, other than his insistence on a hard swing and his work-life balance, Pat's just another one of those rich, entitled fucks who, despite having everything handed to him, still has not spent one minute of his life of leisure to get past the massive, crushing insecurity and pettiness that motivates every moment of his fucking life. So he's cruel by instinct and by default because he's afraid that if he doesn't show off, he'll be shown up. And he will, Ted, because it never lasts with guys like Pat. Because sooner or later, someone comes around with money, power, and no appetite for bullshit. And I fucking promise you, they will sink your battleship. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. That sound means it's time for another Spightning Round. The category is shitty friends, and I want you to break up with these friends in analogy format. So, like, your roastiest of friendship ass blank is to blank. Heath, you're going to start it off. Rick needs to break up with his religious friend, Neil. Okay, so we got a photo of Neil, and he's very clearly dressed up as a superhero with the power of toothpaste. (laughs) Not sure what that means, but that's what he looks like. And that fits perfectly, actually, because Neil is to friendship as toothpaste is to orange juice. (laughs) Horrible, very close. Five out of five dentists say we hate you at least twice a day. All right, and Cecil Cullen needs you to break up with Nick. Okay, Nick is to friendship as a steel wool pad is to a hundred-year-old, perfectly seasoned cast iron. I only say this (laughs) because you have an impenetrable red tuft of hair on your face that looks like a tumbleweed rolled through an open crime scene. (laughs) (laughs) Noah, this one's for you. Veronica needs to break up with her friend, Anton. Oh, boy, doesn't she? Yeah. Anton is to friendship as that thing on his lip is to a mustache. <laughs> right? I think you can tell that that's what he's going for, but it's just as obvious he's never going to get there. Seriously, dude, you make me wonder why face urchin isn't already a phrase. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a special request from Dennis to once again roast his friend Max. Break him up so you won't have to deal with Max a third time. All right, we'll try. Okay, let's see. Uh, Max is to friendship as... Chernobyl is to DNA. Not at all fucking helpful and a hell of a lot more ugly than you'd expect. (laughs) And Eli, Travis needs you to break up with Jeremy for him. All right, got a slightly different twist on this one. I'm going to go with uh, Jeremy. Travis and you are like Sam Harris and the guests on his podcast. You seem racist and he probably shouldn't associate with you. (laughs) Also, you took this picture in Hawaiian garb 
with this little girl. I assume she's your child, but you look like the white colonizer apologizing for just having killed Moana. <laughs> You're like, no, darling, you have to understand. We need this land, honey. <laughs> Why are you crying? All right, all right. Great spiting, folks. All right, so that brings us to the final round. These people get extra credit for making requests that we especially enjoyed. And, Heath, we're going to start with you. Stephanie wants a roast of swans. It's about fucking time. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, fuck swans, stupid birds. They can't even fly. They're just swans, stupid. Swans They're just like dumb birds. They, yeah, they, they absolutely fly. fly. I, don't, flying. I don't think that. Agree to disagree. Regardless, <laughs> they look no. ridiculous. They're stupid fucking neck face. They, they look like silly putty with a bendy straw, like a giant version of that. They're like spy versus spy made a tea kettle. And that's like the face of like a bird shape. I feel like I should use them to hang a shower curtain for a giant. Right. Just like push them through a little slit. All right, Cecil, Hannah wants a roast of Logan Paul. Logan Paul is a perfect example that if you're somewhat pretty and white, you can do horrible shit like exploit suicide and everyone will forget like Ronald Reagan at a press conference. And <laughs> really, his voice is like a chef's knife cutting on a granite countertop. He looks like someone blew half the seeds off a of dandelion. He's the color your eraser in grade school and he's still wildly popular. He's like a curse on all Americans because we built our houses on Native American burial grounds. Yes. <laughs> There's a ghost I could be scared of. No, uh, Terrence wants a roast of Mike Pence and mother. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, look, his side wanted him hanged, so I guess he's getting off light. Yeah, right. Side. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to make fun of his appearance because that's been done to death. <laughs> to be clear, I'm saying been done to death is what he looks like. That is. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to make fun of the fucking mayonnaise sandwich that must have been the sex life between him and oh, mother God. back when they were young enough to feel oh, obligated no. to do that, right? <laughs> I will, like, I'll give you a million dollars if the words and thrust two, three, four were never uttered in that bedroom. <laughs> hey, Mike, look on the bright side. At least you never have to sleep in the wet spot if she makes you curl up on the foot of the bed. <laughs> About face and then a money shot. There's never no, a didn't. money shot. This it's just a little dust. It's like a hole in the sheet. <laughs> the only money Mike Pence doesn't have. You know, like when you exhale when it's really cold outside, it'll be like yeah. that. You know the way uh, Tom breathes after one of his roasts? Like that. that <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Eli, Amy would like you to roast her improv troupe called Side Hustle. Hi, Amy. I I'm sorry for the lateness of this roast. I mean, after all, at this point, this roast is two years old and... There's no way this team lasted two years. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Amy, I'm just impressed it lasted till the end of your email because this picture has, we're just in this till the sexual tension between the guy dressed as a cowboy and the guy with the mutton chops breaks written all <laughs> over it. You're a Harold team? Really? A Harold team? You have an octogenarian on your team. Are you sure you don't mean you're a Harold and Maud team, Amy? <laughs> I feel like you're more like a Harold and Maud team. All right, Ed, Tom, to close things out, we have a special podcaster request for you and Eli. Peter would like to hear you roasting Eli and Eli roasting you. All right. Uh, getting to know Eli is amazing because he does this thing, and I've watched it like 20 times, and it's fucking brilliant every time. No matter what the situation, Eli will stand there like a fucking lightning rod, just happily, joyfully absorbing blame and insult for slights both real and imagined, rushing to defer and apologize 
peacekeeping like he's carrying around a secret white helmet in his back pocket. <laughs> and it works. It works so well that even when you're mad at Eli, even when you feel personally aggrieved, you can't help but be won over by the way he disarms you. And as you stand there disarmed, you better be fucking sure you are 100% on his good side because he knows and you know that now your belly is fucking exposed. <laughs> Terrifying. All right. I thought he was going to be so much meaner to Eli. <laughs> I'm not going to actually be mean to Eli. All right. Well, now you know next time, Peter, to ask that Heath do it. Yeah. He, he'll do He'll be or Cecil. He, does, he doesn't or me. Weeks to yeah, right. You don't have to actually. You don't have to pay. <laughs> getting secret the other, yeah. requests. All right. Uh, Tom poisoned his wife. This okay, is the I'll only safe it. place to tell you, Haley. He's been no, poisoning you this whole no. time. He told me about it. Don't eat the soup. He brings it. No, that's a felony accusation. Not a <laughs> say. Different things. All right. Fine, fine. Roast, roast, roast. Okay. Yep. Tom is like if we trapped the mind and heart of a poet inside a French bulldog. For <laughs> <laughs> a little. Tom should have been born 200 years ago or 500 years ago. He should have won the heart of a princess with a sonnet, but instead he's stuck here. And now, where TikTok is the dominant art form and 40% of the country won't take the vaccination, and he has to spend one-fifth of his podcasting time with me. Oh. And honestly, what's a better roast for him than that? There you go. <laughs> TikTok is not art. It's not art. All right, well, guys, we're not at the end, but we can see the end from here. So be sure to stay tuned both here and over on Cognitive Dissonance. And remember, if you haven't heard your roast by now, it's way more likely you missed the episode where we did it than that we haven't done it yet. Just, I'm just yeah, going to okay. toss that out there. <laughs> Nearly <laughs> done. <laughs> anyway, Tom, Cecil, thanks as always, guys. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Before we retreat back behind the curtain tonight, I wanted to let you know that if you're a patron, you'll want to free up some time on the evening of Saturday, August 7th. We're going to be live streaming our annual company-wide pajama party. Heath, Eli, Lucinda, Anna, Andrew, Morgan, Tim, myself, the whole team is going to be there in person. We're going to be playing games, answering questions, doing amazing physical stunts. Patrons for all the Puzzle and Thunderstorm shows are going to be invited, so it's not too late to sign up. Oh, and if you can't make it the night of, don't worry. It'll be available on video later. Anyway, that's all the blast maybe we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand-new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday, and an even new episode of our sister show, Hot Friend God Awful Movies debuting at 7 Eastern on Tuesday and an even newer episode of our Half-Sister Show Citation Needed debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show wouldn't be heavy enough to stay on your phone if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for being and right as rain. I want to thank Eli Bosnick for being here in the Bosnick of time. I want to thank Lucinda Lusions for being Lucinda House. I also want to thank Dominic and Benny Two Cups for this week's Farnsworth quote. Incidentally, if you want to check out Dominic's podcast, you'll find the Burnt Church Atheist linked on the show notes. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most mirthful earthlings, Lisa Bridget, Lady of the Farm, Jenny C. Sci-Fi Sky Guy, Mads, Daniel, So Surly, Das Fergan, Dorsey, Rob, Robin, and Torian. Lisa, Bridget, Lady of the Farm, Jenny, and C.S., who are so hot, so has warned their kids not to touch them. Sci-Fi, Sky Guy, Maz, Daniel, and So Surly, whose IQs are measured in astronomical units. And Das Fergan, Dorsey, Rob, Robin, and Torian, who are so bright I had to put on sunglasses to read their names. Together, these 14 fourth-rate fornicators forwent a forkful of their fortune this week to give us money. If you think you're up to the challenge of giving us money, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com. Where you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode. Or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donation. 
donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingadius.com. And if you'd like to help but your money is deflating, you can also help a ton by leaving us a five-star review, telling a friend about the show, and following at PIATBot on Twitter. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robinson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingadius.com. Hey Morgan. Hey Morgan, it's Cecil's birthday. Wish wish Cecil a happy birthday. <laughs> wish him a happy birthday, Morgan. <laughs> wow, that's a spot on Morgan. I thought I nailed that. Yeah, brutal. So mean, you guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't worry, I, he'll Morgan cut that last bit out. We don't. Yeah, want you don't. To hear we don't it. want to hear that. Yeah. It hurts you. Super mean. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Warning, the following podcast may be unsuitable for prudish motherfuckers. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Stamps.com, Allbirds, My Sheets Rock, and by the new sexual fetish where we all dress up like Tim Curry from Legend and fuck, Luciferies. Luciferies, because even though I just made it up, you are already all the fucking way into it, aren't you? And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hey, Pat, how you doing? It's Kevin Sorbo here. Uh, I am a TV and film actor, and I'm, my name is Kevin Sorbo, and I can assure you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men, and I don't know what that means. Because um, <laughs> um, I don't know if uh, I actually put any stock in that, <laughs> but it's just funny saying filthy monkey men. I think that's pretty funny. So I still think that a lot of men are still very filthy monkey men. And uh, I don't know what we can do about that. But I'm pretty sure that's kind of what's going on there right now. <laughs> so um, all the best to you, Pat. Don't know where you live. Don't know where you're at. Uh, I really wish I wish some people would tell me what city they're from or what state they're from. Because maybe I have a story about that state. You know what I mean? All right. I'm signing off. Have a great one. Bye. July 22nd. And it's Lasagna Awareness Month. Yeah, big ups to Garfield for putting in the work. Right? <laughs> I have no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Chris Christie's, New Jersey, <laughs> Cincinnati Red State and Red Time Blue State, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, naturopaths play the COVID card. We learn that God created the supply curve and it was good. And we'll keep up our quest to see how many funny voices it takes to make the Bible palatable. But first... The diatribe. A common refrain that you'll hear when you put yourself out there as an atheist activist is that you're ignoring all the good shit that religion does. People will admit that, yes, religion is capable of inspiring bad actions and is often used to disguise ill intentions. But if you're going to be intellectually honest about it, you have to weigh all of that against the good that it does. And up until now, I've usually dismissed that argument by pointing out that there are no 
good aspects of religion. Right? At best, religion offers moonshine. It might occasionally reflect the inner light of a good person, but it can't create light of its own. But it occurred to me the other day that there might actually be a roundabout exception that I've been missing, though I doubt it's one that religious apologists are going to be in a hurry to embrace. Like, you know how everybody's God always feels the same way as they do about everything? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the quote attributed to pretty much every historical smart person, but I think it was originally Voltaire who said, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. More to the point is the famous quote from American novelist Anne Lamott, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. And therein lies the elusive benefit to religion. See, when a person gets to sub in the first person pronoun with the Lord Almighty, they end up telling you way more about themselves than they mean to. Without realizing it, they're basically telling us exactly what they would do if they had omnipotence and nobody to answer to. And that's useful because it's all too rare that bigots announce themselves by saying, hello, I'm a bigot. But as soon as they tell you that their God doesn't much care for this subgroup or that other one, they might as well have. Does your God want me to fear him? Is he an angry God? Will he condemn me for eternity? Will he one day return to wipe out all the non-believers and drown them in tribulations and bridal high pools of blood? Does he only help those who help themselves? Does he ignore the prayers of those who don't believe in him? I mean, it already says plenty about a person that they would worship a deity with any of those flaws, but it actually goes way deeper than that. By disguising their own desires as those of an all-powerful dictator, they've circumvented all the boundaries that society has imposed on their opinions. They don't hate gay people or interracial couples or whatever the bigotry du jour is because they're still bounded by the social contract. God can rise above all that bullshit and just hate whoever he wants. Now, you might hear this and think that it absolves an awful lot of religious people. After all, if you ask religious people who God is, the answer you'll most often hear isn't about you know his short temper or his eternal torture chamber. They'll say that God is about unconditional love. And, you know, sure, that's better than hating the queers, I guess, but it's not exactly complimentary. I mean, it's nice to love and care about everybody, but it's pretty fucked up to think that that's enough. And sure enough, the people most likely to spout on about how God is love are also the ones most likely to tell you about the mission they went on in Mexico back in 2006 when their charitable nature is challenged. Loving thy neighbor isn't enough. You also have to help the motherfucker from time to time. But if you tell me that your God loves everybody unconditionally but still gives some of them cancer, you're telling me you think those two things can coincide in the same entity. And... You're telling me that you think you can love the people less fortunate than yourself without doing a goddamn thing to help them. And, and, and what about the person whose God has a plan for everybody? The person whose God never gives anybody more than they can handle? Well, they're probably just telling you what a manipulative, meddling motherfucker they wish they could be. And they're definitely telling you that they think it's okay to dole out just as much misfortune as a person can handle. And, of course, the person whose God checks people's hubris with adversity is usually the one most vocally supporting a punitive justice system with long prison terms. So, yeah, I'll begrudgingly admit that religion actually does have one useful benefit to society. It's a great shortcut to knowing exactly what kind of asshole you're dealing with. They're talking about your Jesus. Joining me for headlines tonight are the disinapt to my ointed Heath and right <laughs> Eli Bosnick Bellis. 
How excited are you that Pat got us a Farnsworth quote from the one and the oh only? Yes, that was for realsies, <laughs> Kevin Sorbonne. He's like a sad horse who got confused by the math problem. He was supposed to tap it out with his hoof. It's so good. I have watched that video 900 times. I still need to watch it 900 more. It is more tragic than the fucking Dubliner. Uh, the end? The end when he goes, I wish people would tell me what state they're from. I have fun stories about states. What? I might have a story. He's not ready. To say he's got a story, but he, he doesn't have 50 interesting stories. Come on. But, uh. <laughs> Speaking of Oklahoma, I was, I was in Tulsa <laughs> once. Uh. Yeah, so actually, I, I need to I need to watch it again right now. So we're going to take a quick break for a word from this week's first sponsor, Stamps.com. Hey, podcast listener. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you know that one of our oldest and most loyal sponsors is Stamps.com. But did you know that we use Stamps.com to send out our Patreon rewards? Follow me and I'll show you how easy it is to mail hundreds of books and bingo cards a year using Stamps.com. So here we are. It's the third of the month when Lucinda messages Eli on Facebook asking him to download the patrons who are due rewards that month. Yeah, just one more episode of Invincible, and then I am definitely going to respond to her. I just got to... And here we are on the fifth day of the month when she reminds him again. Right. Yes. We'll do that this afternoon. I'm just going to... Sorry. Winky face. Sent. And here we are that evening when she texts him because he still hasn't sent it. Damn it. Right. Sorry. Here it comes. But once he does, in a matter of minutes, we can upload the info for our patrons, print postage, and arrange for pickup all from our home computer. That's because Stamps.com lets you print official U.S. postage and shipping labels 24-7 without having to leave your desk or buy any fancy equipment. All you need is your computer and a standard printer. They offer deals you can't get anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. And with their switch and save feature, you can quickly compare carriers to find the best rates every time. Oh! Uh, those are the wrong names. Don't print those. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk, and with our promo code SCALING, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SCALING. That's stamps.com, promo code SCALING. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Unless Eli sent your wife the wrong names and you have to go take the packages back so that you don't send the same people books two months in a row. June and July look very similar word-wise. Do they? They have J's. Mm -hmm. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, as we're recording this episode, the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals is wasting their time rejecting a bullshit case wherein a bunch of Catholics have sued the state of Michigan over their mask mandates. The argument in this fucking gem is that forcing students to cover their faces violates their sincerely held religious beliefs since faces were made in the image of God. <laughs> so mask mandates force them to cover up God. And no, I am not exaggerating how dumb it is. From the suit, quote, a mask shields our humanity. And because God created us in his image, we are masking that image. End quote. Yeah, here's the thing. I was in Michigan recently. And I am not welcome at that Wendy's anymore without clothing. And I thought it's a religious issue. I mentioned God's image during the moment. <laughs> not helpful at all. It actually escalated the moment, yeah, if anything. I was in that Wendy's. A lot of people were screaming, oh, my God. They have no excuses. Right? It was obviously yeah. religious. So Persecution. I love that you said anymore as though up until then you were. Okay. So, so yeah. <laughs> 
this case comes to us from a Catholic elementary school called the Resurrection School. Uh, that name is probably a reference to Jesus, but given their commitment to unsafe conditions, I'm not going to bet on it. And so they filed a suit against the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services last October, claiming that masks forced them to cover up that, you know, self-portrait that God carved into their head. They also point out that masks make it harder to socialize, and they sincerely believe in socializing, too. And, and, and yeah, to make sure that that counted as religion, they added, I swear I am not making this shit up, quote, our existence as relational beings point to the Holy Trinity, end quote. <laughs> so, okay. in other words, if you can't immediately tell who's asking to borrow your crayons, how the hell can the Holy Ghost of Jesus be the same guy even? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I get it, Michigan. I also tell people apart by their chin clips. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it really blocks them from socializing? <laughs> so, like, they're trying to talk and they're just like... Poof. <laughs> like, what's happening? You can't read the body language at the corners of the mouth. Very important. And look, generally speaking, this type of shit doesn't rise to the level of a lead story. A judge already denied a preliminary injunction in this case, and there's little chance that the appellate court is going to find any different. But even if they get it right, this is a phenomenal exemplar of just how stupid the shit that our courts are adjudicating necessarily becomes as soon as we introduce the concept of sincerely held religious beliefs into our jurisprudence. Yep. Because sincerely held religious beliefs are pretty much definitionally fucking dumb. Right? Like, I mean, some sincerely held religious beliefs are things like be kind to others and don't kill people. But those kind of beliefs already have protection in law. Yep. If you have had to resort to defending your belief by saying it's a sincerely held religious one, that's because it was too dumb for any of the other belief categories were required by law to take seriously. Yep. Right. It should fit into basic ethics, and you had to go outside of that? It's right. dumb. Yes. <laughs> All the good ethics were taken, so this one clearly <laughs> held. <laughs> and in more like sociopath news. Homeopath, naturopath, and dangerous con person Julie A. Maisie was arrested this week for providing her so-called patients with a so-called homeopathic vaccination pellet, as well as forged vaccination cards to match the dates of their nothing, because why not just not get vaccinated and cause a plague when you can commit felonies, not get vaccinated and spread a plague instead. Yeah, yeah. And no, by the way, we are not legally required here to say alleged con person until she gets convicted because con person is a synonym for homeopath. And she puts that shit on her <laughs> business card. Right. So like, like worst case scenario, we would have to identify her as alleged con person and con person. Julie A. <laughs> She's manifesting her own destiny. Yeah. So according to court documents, a family member of one of Maisie's patients submitted a complaint to the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General hotline after that family member told them that, quote, Maisie stated that the pellets contained the COVID-19 virus and would create an antibody response in the immune system, end quote. Who's buying this stuff? She's like, yeah, so I bought a barrel of covid uh, and then I poured out a thimble of COVID. It's actually really hard. I spilled a bunch <laughs> of the COVID all over the place. Then I put the thimble into a fucking lake, and then I made pills from the lake. Buy medicine from me. A whole <laughs> what fucking the fuck? a billion dollar industry. Anybody know any other lakes? <laughs> <laughs> but it gets worse again. Quote, 
Maisie sent COVID-19 vaccination record cards with Moderna listed to the complainant's family. Maisie allegedly instructed the complainant family to mark the cards to falsely state they had received their Moderna vaccine on the date that they had ingested the COVID-19 homeoprophylaxis immunization (laughs) pellets. Oh, by the way, one other thing, your vaccine card is for novelty purposes only, (laughs) like a fake ID. It's also real, though. So I feel like if she believed her own bullshit, she'd have just shredded one real vaccination card into a bunch of tiny pieces and then taped them <laughs> to larger cards. Yeah. That should get you in the airplane. I mean. Yeah. Or to the side of a paper factory or something. They're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and look, I wanted to share this story, not just because fuck this lady's face, but if you've ever explained to someone that homeopathy or other pseudoscience is bullshit, after folks have run out of excuses or fake Googles, they love to ask you, ah, what's the harm? And I just want to point out that this, yep. right? Con men do not limit themselves to your mom's sciatica and stomach aches. When people come to them with AIDS and cancer and COVID fucking 19, they don't drop the bit like me when the recording's off and send someone to a real doctor. <laughs> right. And more importantly, more often than not, they kill people using the money and trust built by people who know they're full of shit, but just say to themselves, what's the harm? Right. But now, to, to be clear, just because fuck this lady's face would have been plenty, though. We could have. Yeah, that was, we would stand by fuck this lady's face. I was good with that. Yeah. And next up in headlines, we have a follow-up story from last year about a very serious lawsuit. <laughs> it all started when Washington, D.C. painted Black Lives Matter on the street right next to the White House for spite and named that part of the street Black Lives Matter Plaza. And of course, that is a constitutional violation. We're supposed to have a separation of church and state, but the moment that happened in Washington, <laughs> three white guys from Tennessee were being persecuted by the religion called seriously secular humanism. That's what they said in the suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they filed that lawsuit against Muriel Bowser, the mayor of the city. Well, their case got thrown out last week by one of those theocratic activist judges you tend to find in Washington, D.C. So fuck you. Yeah, the court finds you guys are idiots. Get out of my courtroom. Yep. Yep. A couple of stories like that this week. No, Your Honor, it's like a double negative lawsuit. So if I'm not being persecuted by a not religion, it loops back <laughs> around and counts again. <laughs> yeah, so just in case anyone missed it, let's meet the aggrieved plaintiffs. First up, we have Pastor Richard Penkoski of the Warriors for Christ, D.C. chapter. Again, he lives in Tennessee, though. He's the guy who sued his daughter's school district after the daughter got sent home for wearing a T-shirt that said, homosexuality is a sin, arguing, okay, is that hate speech or is it religious expression? Uh, The answer is yes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Plaintiff number two was Chris Sevier. Oh, my goodness, it's an all-star. It is an all-star list. Sevier is an attorney who tried to sue Apple for enabling his porn addiction by making computers that could access porn, theoretically. He also filed lawsuits demanding the right to marry his computer. You know, just like two men are allowed to get married, except the computer. It's a computer, not a (laughs) person. And finally, we have plaintiff number three, Tex Christopher, he's a 
former bull rider. Sure. <laughs> sure. End of credentials. And the suit against Muriel Bowser said, quote, Bowser's paramount objective was to convey that the Black Lives Matter cult, which is a denominational sect of the religion of secular humanism, is the favored religion of the city and the nation. You ever been accused of something you wish was true? It just happens a lot here on the <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, I, I'm pretty sure the Bible has at least as much to say about black lives not mattering as it does about homosexuality being bad. So I, like, I see how they got there, right? Yeah, no, yeah. it works for their religion. Yeah, religious expression and hate speech. Yes, it's yes. So the ruling came from U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden, who was... Way too nice about saying, go fuck yourself, Latin word, gavel. But (laughs) he did seem like he was having fun with it. He used the phrase creed de cœur to describe very serious allegations by the plaintiff that the court takes very, very seriously. He called it the creed de cœur. And then he explained how federal court, you know, works to like a (laughs) five-year-old in his ruling. The whole thing was in that voice. It was like, okay, did you show any standing? No, exactly. And we're not going to rename it Jesus is the Answer Boulevard. Did you ask for any legal remedy that's not stupid like that? No. No, you did not. And then I gave you nine more chances. And what do we say about standing (laughs) each time? That you have to show it exactly. It's so good just leading him through the whole thing by the hand. Bottom line, if you're being persecuted by Black Lives Mattering... Fucking good. Right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. And in All in the Family News, regular listeners to the show may remember the heartbreak and pain we were caused last October when we learned that President of Faith 2 Action, that's the number, Janet Porter would not, in fact, be making the pro-life romantic comedy she had shot a trailer for. Well... Dear podcast listener, raise your eyes to the skies and sing a song of hope once more because Miss Porter has decided to make her movie into a 13-episode sitcom instead. (laughs) That's appropriate. And she's already fundraising for it. Holy shit. We couldn't make 90 quality minutes of a movie happen. Anyway, here's a 13-episode series (laughs) instead. By the way, if Gilbert Gottfried is not the voice of the fetus in that show, <laughs> that fucking fundraiser is technically wire fraud. Absolutely. I will 100%. Yeah. So, first of all, if you haven't watched the trailer that Porter produced with the movie money, you must watch it. I'm not saying oh, it's worth it. we could do an entire episode of our sister show, God Awful Movies, about a trailer. But if there was a trailer, we could do an entire episode of God Awful Movies about that's the one. Honey, you have to give birth to this child. Or do I? Sitcom about that. Sitcom. Yeah. So, like I said, Porter is currently fundraising the measly $500,000 she needs to make this uh, pro-forced birth romp a reality. Here's a quote from the fundraiser. Quote, while most non-Christians are drawn to sermons, everyone wants to laugh. The sitcom, What's a Girl to Do, will make people laugh while putting God and his truths in a positive light. Finally. End quote. Yeah. It's like, what could be more universally appealing than a show called What's a Girl to Do from a writer offended by that implication of autonomy, right? <laughs> it continues, quote, 
There are a lot of good Christian movies. Super wrong. <laughs> but there are no Christian sitcoms from which to choose. Regular wrong. Yeah, medium wrong. Medium <laughs> yeah. wrong. Yep. Let's change that. Instead of entertainment with the indoctrination of a godless worldview, let's create a quality sitcom that honors God and advances his kingdom while having fun. <laughs> well, we like to have fun here at our pro-life sitcom. At the end of the show, we all learned an important lesson. Fetus jump. Freeze frame. What the fuck is happening? But it's, it's not all good news. Sadly, Miss Porter has only raised just over $2,000 as of this recording. But... I need her to find that other 498000 not just for the job security, but that is definitely a part of it. So if Noah and Heath would just let me remortgage the house, we could be a part of that, but they won't. It's very sad, podcast uh, listener. We uh, need All this. right. And while we make sure that Eli hasn't put up any new for sale signs in the yard, we're going to pause for a word from our second sponsor this week, Allbirds. You can have a walk-on guest roll. Hey, welcome to Typical Shoe Buying Experience. Can I help you? Because I am dressed as a referee. Yeah, um, about that. Why are you dressed oh, as a referee? Uh, because shoes are for sports. Right, right. But they're also like for, you know, a bunch of other stuff. Just seems like referees very I was specific. not listening. Okay. So I'm thinking that you're going to want a pair of these. The brand name, famous athlete name. Just $899. $899. Um, yes. Yeah, I super do not want to spend that amount of money on shoes. Do people spend that much money on, like, sneakers? Yeah, apparently. It could literally be an underground spy program, for all you know. Did you see the line outside? I did see the line, yeah. Very weird to have that size of line. Anyway, do you have something less pricey than that? Oh, yeah, of course. Here you go. Um, Dad shoes, $3. Oh, uh, yeah. These look like something Eli would wear. Yeah, this is exactly the shoes that he wears. Okay, right. So do you have anything in the middle? You know, something lightweight and stylish, but not insanely overpriced? Mm, not here at typical shoe store, but you know who does? Allbirds. Oh, what's Allbirds? The Allbirds Tree Runner is made from sustainable, natural materials that feel light on your feet and are better for the planet. The Tree Runners are breathable, machine washable, and made with responsibly sourced eucalyptus tree fiber. Plus, their simple and versatile design makes the Tree Runner a perfect go-to shoe for any outfit. Wow, really? Really. Allbirds sent us a pair to try, and they're my new walking around shoes. They're stylish, comfortable, and the fact that they're washable makes them feel and look like new on a regular basis. All right, no, I'm sold. So where can I get a pair? Keep things light and breezy with the Allbirds Tree Runner. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Thanks, Noah. Hey, while I'm here, can I see those dad shoes, uh, size 11? <laughs> no, you can't. But I can disappear for 45 minutes into the back and come back with a size 7, 15, and a pair of sandals. Okay. Well, then don't do that. Too late. Oh. I'm already gone. Okay. It'll feel rude to leave. <laughs> a man wrote the Bible. A horse, which was. If it's a legitimate race. It is a slut, right? Hey, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. Well, shit. It's been so long since I've talked to you that I kind of wanted to start off on something a, a bit upbeat. Or barring that, something that at least it wasn't horrifying shit that'll keep you up at night. I mean, I get that this is a segment about misogyny in a show about religion. So, I'm pretty much never chiming in with good news, but my stories are at least usually better than this. So the story we're opening with this week, begrudgingly, comes out of Liberty University, where 12 women have filed a federal suit against the Christian College for violating Title IX rules, 
specifically the rules about protecting students from discrimination on the basis of sex. The plaintiffs claim the university, quote, intentionally created a campus environment where sexual assaults and rapes are foreseeably more likely to occur than they would in the absence of Liberty's policies. Now, look, I've read through pretty detailed accounts of the 12 complaints and the details get pretty gruesome. I'm not going to put you through all that. But what you see when you read them is a fucked up system that repeatedly puts antiquated notions of chastity over real threats to women's safety. Victims of rapes weren't told their rights. They were shamed for drinking alcohol, being out late, or for not being forceful enough in their objections. In one instance, photographs of bruises on her body that one student provided as evidence in a rape accusation were removed from the file for being too explicit. According to the lawsuit, Liberty created a system that enables on-campus rapes and actively suppresses legitimate complaints of sexual assault, thus, intentionally or through craven indifference, protecting rapists from punishment. And it shed more evidence that every time you think, surely this will be the most fucked up story to come out of Liberty University, the universe is going to prove you wrong in short order. And speaking of being wrong about shit, I wanted to take a quick second to highlight an asshole who stumbled into my crosshairs this week. His name is Jason Graber, and he's a new independent fundamentalist Baptist preacher, despite the words new and independent contradicting the word fundamentalist. Anyway, he was delivering a sermon at the Sure Foundation Baptist Church in Spokane, Washington last week about the evils of divorce. And he assures his audience that divorce is never the right option, no matter how miserable or abused anybody is, unless the husband finds out that his wife isn't a virgin on their wedding night. That's the one and only time that God is okay signing off on divorce. And look, we all know who the victims of this divorce is a grievous sin mantras are. Abuse victims are being told that their physical and mental well-being are less important than a promise to an invisible man. And you know who else knows that? Jason fucking Graber. Now, if you'll forgive me, I had the audacity to do this record wearing full-blown pants instead of bikini bottoms. So I kind of need to run quick before I get fined by an Olympic committee. So without further ado, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. Next up in headlines, we have a story about Matthew Tiberius Powell. Always a good and day. I'm very excited. He's our intern who works for us yep. as his job. <laughs> and since our job is highlighting the problems with religion, his job is saying Christian stuff into a camera. End of job. It really, you know, cuts out the middleman. It's like... <laughs> Synergy. Yeah. You might remember Powell from his recent video about how evolution is racist. That's when he said, if we evolved from African Americans, why are there still African Americans? <gasps> so, yeah, we had an HR meeting about that. Uh, he's taken our in-house seminar on critical race theory <laughs> and um, also our in-house seminar on geography words yeah. and how they work. <laughs> Well, he came out with a new video last week about how extinction proves creation. It's called How Extinction Proves Creation. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, but to be clear, the fact that it isn't called How Extinction Proves Creation, colon, Jesus is Lord, hyphen, why science knows I'm right but won't admit it, is a real step forward for Matt, though. He's getting, yeah, getting better. Title. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting good at brevity. I mean, look, buddy, you're going for employee of the month. What is this, six months in a row now? Right? Keep the hits coming. Good work. So before we get into the details of the argument, 
I'm going to set the scene for you. Please do. First of all, Matt Powell shot this video right after attending the funeral for a 1920s gangster that he knows. Yeah. He goes to a lot of those. <laughs> did not have time to change the outfit. No. And apparently he could not book his normal studio space in his mom's living room. So he's recording in, uh, I think, a basement comedy club with a kidnapping theme. It's confusing. And the music is telling us that a sitcom character just spent 23 minutes learning that evolution is a hoax. And then like, Tausel from Bob Saget. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the mood and the mise-en-scene for you. Also, (laughs) this is my favorite little detail. I'm pretty sure he's wearing a leather ring from Hot Topic (laughs) on his hand. Yeah, it's not so much the larger insights into the Christian worldview that we love about Matt as it is the smaller things like how he thinks clothes and bunk beds work. (laughs) (laughs) But but so, guys... You know he moved all his shit to the basement because we made fun of his bunk beds, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's so very clear. Like, I'm not saying that's my proudest achievement, but whichever of us size laugh should work it into the other guy's eulogy. That's okay. Yeah, oh, sure. I will buy him a race car bed. If he <laughs> We have so many contact pages, Matt. Just reach out. We will buy you a race car bed. You do your very serious videos from it. It's written in the thing. We've offered it so many different ways in the contract. <laughs> So here's the reason that extinction proves creation. Oh, please. Powell starts by pointing out that evolutionists are constantly opening animal shelters to stop extinction. Wait, what? Um, okay. Not really how that works, but <laughs> I'm thinking, all right, let's see where he goes with that. He continues, according to evolution, species should be getting created all the time through natural selection, ah. which... Okay, it sounds at least adjacent to correct, sort of, but it's not for no. him, Uh-oh. him saying it. He, first of all, he used air quotes when he said natural selection, <laughs> so bad, bad sign. Like, in his head, his mom's cat is not turning into a flying Decepticon panther, so he's pretty sure natural <laughs> selection is false. Yeah. But more importantly, when evolutionists try to save animals from going extinct, we're admitting that evolution is fake because we know evolution won't just invent that species again. That's seriously the argument. He's mad that evolution doesn't take requests. <laughs> like, play Dodo Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, no, it's like, um. So, so you know how when we conserve fossil fuels, it proves that carbon doesn't exist? It's like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just like. You know how we're always starting carbon shelters? <laughs> Same thing. So. As usual, Powell did not have time to memorize the the flow chart of the argument he's having with himself right. on the video. So he keeps having to pause like that guy trying to learn the guitar and play for you at the same time. And at one point, that pausing sends him off on a tangent that leads to one of those like full stop anyway moments. It's great. He says, we don't see these new species popping up. We see animals going extinct. So that proves... That if we go back in time to the Garden of Eden, there were more types of animals than there are now. Fuck. Anyway, (laughs) atheists don't know the meaning of life. Evolution's fake. QED. That's really the end of the argument that we don't know the meaning of life. We don't. The science is wrong. No, And in cruisified news tonight. Fantastic. (laughs) An Ohio woman was arrested last Thursday after her vehicular test of faith ended in her hitting a car, a telephone pole, another car, and ultimately a fucking house. 
Her excuse for this pinball-esque series of accidents that began with her running a red light at 100 miles an hour plus was that she was we testing her <laughs> faith by seeing if Jesus would miraculously clear all the obstacles in her path. And to be fair, with only those four small exceptions, Christ the Savior nailed. <laughs> okay, if Elon Musk is better at something than your God, <laughs> you're fucking stupid. You need to stop. I don't know, Heath. Elon did create a mountain tunneler he can't move. Even he can't move, right? <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. So, yeah, sadly, this is something that we see so often that Anna wrote a fucking song about it. But this one is getting more Such play on song. social media than most because, A, there's a nanosecond of video of the beginning of the accident. And, B, this crazy piece of shit had her 11-year-old daughter in the car when she did this. Uh, yeah. Now, now, luckily, and notice I did not use the fucking word miraculously, nobody was seriously injured, but Jesus' co-pilot was arrested on charges of felony assault, endangering a child, and driving under suspension, which strongly suggests that maybe Jesus has failed to take the wheel on her before. Yeah. He's also failed to take the wheel for every other car accident in history. Through that, yeah. Just for the record. He's like a passive-aggressive boyfriend. He's like, I want you to want me. To take the wheel, or else I'm not going to take the wheel. And even then, he still sucks at driving. Right. He does. Yeah. Sounds like me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and and seriously, so I should be clear that the reports we've seen on this suggest that she was not like drunk or high or anything like that at the time of the accident. The local story I've seen on this points out that the officers at the hospital quote did not detect any signs of impairment from drugs or alcohol end quote. Uh, she told officers that she intentionally drove at a high rate of speed without steering to, quote, test her faith with God, end quote, and apparently said she stood by her decision and thinks it was the right thing to do. So when I point out that her religious zealotry didn't physically injure her daughter, I almost feel legally obligated to add yet. Yeah. Yeah. I just really hope this kid makes it long enough to drive mom to the hospital one day super slowly. It's <laughs> like, no, no, I know your chest hurts, mom, but that's a yield sign. Hey, 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 maybe Jesus will take the yield, huh? Huh? We're having, oh, you're asleep. Okay. He's not taking the gas pedal. I don't know. That's weird. That's on him. And finally tonight, it occurs to me that we've been, you know, we've been giving God a really hard time. Have we? For a lot. It's like our thing. But we never give him credit for all the good stuff he's doing. So oh. in the interest of, you know, fair and balanced journalism, that's what we're here for. I think it's important that we thank the omnipotent creator of the universe for all his amazing work with specifically laissez-faire economics. Huh. So, you know, God invented price discovery with his beautiful, invisible hand, and he deserves a big congratulations. And a big hat tip also to Joe Carter, the editor of the Gospel Coalition Evangelical Blogging Network, for giving me this very important insight to talk about. Jesus. I like that Christians have stopped with the namby-pamby, like, God guides the hands of surgeons shit. And now they're just like, the idea of moneyness is God. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like, hey, can your God perform miracles? Well, no, but he can incentivize them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually Create the, the point of this stupid fucking it article. <laughs> so dumb. So here's what Joe Carter had to say about the unsung hero of Economics at the source of that beautiful, invisible trickle. Quote, there are intricate and beautiful aspects of God's creative genius that we don't often think about. Take, for instance, the price system. In its most basic sense, 
A price is merely a numeric value assigned to a product or a service. It, it, in all the senses, that's what mm-hmm. price yep, is. Yep. But we, we can also say... <laughs> the word means. That's the word. That's the word. He continues. <laughs> but we can also say that a price is a signal wrapped in an incentive to be coordinated by God. Can we say that? I, you, you can write it on a Christian blog. It's illegal, I guess. You can, get right past you the can even get Heath to say it, although it seems <laughs> difficult for him. God. <laughs> Prices are signals wrapped in enigmas. Fuck you. Get out of here. Okay. Continuing one more time. Humans set individual prices, but it was God who designed the price system as a means of coordinating human activity for the purposes of human flourishing. End quote. Okay. That's said like a man who's never bought diapers. Or... Or God hates babies. One of those things is true. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, no, I see what he's saying, though. Like, without God, how would we even know what a rape victim's virginity was worth? That's true. Right? That's right. System. It's important. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, God. But how do condiments fit in? You're probably wondering. <laughs> Carter continued, God knows and cares about what may seem like trivial issues, such as whether you like ketchup on your fries and he's provided a way for our neighbors to help meet those needs. Uh, I've heard he's got the whole world in his hinds. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I I am going to go ahead and admit it. The argument for God lets your neighbors buy you ketchup is a new one for me. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. It's not on my flow chart. Strong apologetic. We're going to have to write a new, a new thing for that branch. <laughs> Just when we thought we heard them all. <laughs> so, yeah, ketchup supply chain, God is love. Got it. <laughs> Now, you hear all this, and you might be thinking, okay, sounds like a Christian guy trying to glorify God for creating the a priori on the zeroth day. And, <laughs> yep. uh-huh. and not telling us about and it. And not yeah, mentioning exactly. it. No, nope. never said anything about that. But here's the thing. I've studied a bit of international economics, and if you go to Japan, for example, where they have a non-Christian economy and mm-hmm. price system, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah, People just bet. screaming at each other, your demand is not meeting my supply, what the fuck do we do? Supply <laughs> demand, I don't know, there's no system. It's pandemonium. So... You know, thanks again to Christian God. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Well, now that Heath has qualified this episode as educational material, I suppose we can close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, the good book still won't be. All right, Greg, you be careful with that red sauce, buddy. <laughs> exactly, we don't want one of those again. Eli, what are you doing? Yeah, what's with all the people going in and out of your room? Oh, hey, guys. Well, you know how I'm a hot sleeper, so I have to constantly keep my bedroom air-conditioned like an Italian restaurant's walk-in fridge? We do know that, yep. yes. Yeah, one time your door had an icicle. So I was figuring, i got to make some of that money back, right? So now, boom, I'm the new walk-in freezer for Papa Gino's down the street. Uh, excuse me, white sauce? It's by the comic books, Carl. All right, thank you. Carl works at Papa Gino's? <laughs> yeah, they pay him in garlic bread. At least they pay me in something. Carl, we talked about this, buddy. We don't have the budget right now. Oh, sure. Never the right time to pay Carl. We honestly should start paying him. Yeah, okay. We'll we'll discuss it. But, Eli, if you're a hot sleeper, why not just try the regulator sheets from My Sheets Rock? What, uh, the regulator sheets from My Sheets Rock? Come on, really? Come on. Seriously, Carl? What, I'm almost tied with Cara Santa Maria. 
It's true. He is. The regulator sheets are designed specifically to keep hot sleepers cool and cold sleepers comfortable. They regulate temperature, wick moisture, stay breathable, and are so soft you'll sleep comfortably every night. That's because these sheets are made from the best-in-class bamboo rayon, the holy grail of sheeting. This miracle material transfers body heat two times more effectively than regular sheets and reduces humidity by 50% so you can experience your best night's sleep yet. Yeah, my sheets rock. Sent us a pair to try, and I bought an extra set. Because they're my new favorite sheets. Nice. But guys, what if I don't believe you? Don't believe me? Their five-star customer reviews speak for themselves. Plus, they offer a 90-day risk-free trial and free shipping and free returns. Check out MySheetsRock at MySheetsRock.com slash scathing. And enter our code scathing for 10% off and free shipping. All right, guys. I'm in. So long, Papa Genos. Oh, uh, hey, Claire. Oh, you're just here to cry? She's just here to cry. Food service is hard. Yeah, it is. And then in between the pancakes, candied bacon. Oh, man, that sounds amazing. Oh, it is. It is amazing. Oh, uh, wow. Heath, what are you doing? I'm uh, just talking to Don before Bible Peace Theater. Hi. That's the part of the show where we act out the Bible. No, I, I know what about. Bible Peace Theater is, Heath, but you're doing the pre-segment introduction small talk with him. What? No, I'm not. Yes, no. you are. Noah is going to walk in any second and ask if we're ready to do a Bible Peace Theater. What? No, no, he's not. Hey, guys, not you ready to do Bible Peace Theater? Absolutely not. You do the pre-Bible Peace Theater banter with me. Okay. Don doesn't even go here. You oh, you were doing so good just doing the intro for the segment. You had to get super meta. Now so, Heath, I have been thinking about buying a boat. No, no, you haven't. Yes, I have. Yeah, Tell yeah, me what you think about it. Guys, boat. guys. Fine. Sorry. Where are we? Um. Well, actually, we're at the story of Tamar and Ammon. Ugh. Yeah, let's uh, go ahead and skip that one. Um, why? What's the story of Tamar and Ammon? It's it's a pretty graphically described rape in in the Bible. Yeah, and and the guy who does the raping gets killed, but it's very much like a that's what you get for messing up my stuff murder, and not like a rape is bad murder. Well. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and the guy who murders him gets punished for murdering the rapist later in the book. So it's, it's definitely not an anti-rape story, you know? No. Yeah, so. so we skip it, right? Skip it? Uh, I don't feel like we're going to get any yucks out of that story. Go ahead and skip it. We could do Ray Comfort again. Yeah, Ray only mm. works as a gangbang on Don. Uh, it, I feel yeah. like a lot of things could fuck Don and it would be funny. Uh-huh, thanks, Eli. So skip it? Uh, skipping it. We're going to go... Go ahead and give it the old skipperoo. No, I, I mean, skip I, right past. I hear you, Heath, but kind of the point of the segment is to educate people on the stories that are actually in the Bible and all the bad ideas in them. I, I, I'm not saying we try to make it funny, but it seems kind of weird to skip it. Right. No, yeah, I, I hear that. that. That makes sense. But, like, you know, sexual assault survivors listen to the show. I'm thinking. And, and you're three straight white guys. And there are also that. Four of us. Four of us. Y- you're yes. Yes, but I'm non binary. Since when? Oh, I've come on on at least two different podcasts. Huh. I don't like podcasts, so I wouldn't guys, have heard it. Guys, we need to think of something to do with this week's episode. Oh, 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 I've got it. I've got it. I mm, feel like you don't have it. Mm. Substitution. What's substitution? So we tell the story. Very good, by the way. But we switch in another term for rape so we can talk about the bad ideas and do sketch stuff about it. But we're not being insensitive. Uh, okay, but 
what are we substituting in? Oh, you leave that up to me, Heath Enright. You leave that up to me. Oh, boy. Okay, why are you just standing there? Is something? There's going to be a swish. Is there going to be a swish? And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, wanted to get her into the show Supernatural. Seriously? It's perfect! Perfect. Would we say perfect? You didn't have to watch two episodes on a plane, Heath. Not, okay? You, you didn't either. Just listen exactly. to podcasts. I don't like podcasts. Don't listen to them. Okay. Hey, Ammon. Ammon, what's the matter? Oh, hey, my good friend. Jonah Dab. I just, uh, well, uh, I really want to get my sister Tamar into the show Supernatural. Dude, gross. She's your sister. I know, I know. But, but look, if you really want to get your sister into Supernatural, here's what you do. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Um, you, uh, you didn't say anything. You just said whisper, whisper, whisper. No, Abby, don't worry. There's going to be a swoosh. Is there going to be a swoosh? Oh, yeah. Oh, I am so very sick. I'm very, very sick and ill with the sickness. I'm sick. Son, what's the matter? You're saying that you're sick and ill with sickness. Uh, yes, I am, uh, King David, who is also my dad, apropos of nothing. Uh, will you have Tamar bring me some food? I, I mean, I could just get one of the servants to do it if you want. No, no, I would really prefer it if it was Tamar for my sickness to bring it to me. Okay, fine. Hello, brother. Father tells me you're ill, so I brought you some food. Oh, Tamar. Hey, that's uh, that's nice of you. Uh, everybody, can you give us the room, please? You want the room so you can eat your food? Yes, I yes, I need to eat my sickness food alone, but just with Tamar, me and Tamar. Yeah. Okay. Sure, if you say so. Aha! Now that we're alone, I'm going to make you watch the show Supernatural. No, please. The characters are boring. And I don't care about the overall through line because they kill the mom literally the second they You need to give it a couple seasons. I at least marry me first so I can make you watch Great British Bake Off. Never, absolutely not. Okay, I feel like we're getting a little lost in the weeds on your substitution, Eli. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, people are going to get it. They're going to okay, like it. You don't like GBBO? Just say Great British Bake Off, Don. You don't need to shorten it. It's not military code. There's not I an emergency. GBBO is uh, it's a delightful show. I'm not saying Thank it's not you. a good show. I'm saying I've never turned on my television eager to watch it. Like, I get it. Stephanie is a lighthouse salesman from Shrampshire, and her sponge is dry. I just don't... Oh, why are we oh, this? no. So the guy that has 3,000 comic books doesn't like Great British Bake Off because it's too repetitive. You don't even go God. here, Don. You got this, this podcast used to be about atheism. There's no God. Then, after Ammon had introduced Tamar to Supernatural, he hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had wanted to introduce her to Supernatural. What do you mean you can't tell Dean and Sam apart? Okay, what does that I, even mean? I just don't know how they're supposed to be different. You're okay? crazy. Okay, Dean is the smart and charming and handsome <sighs> one who's a bit of a bad boy, but Sam is the bad boy who's handsome, but he's also smart and charming. Okay, it's this easy is to think literally of. just worse Buffy. You're, you're worse Buffy. Go what? live in your father's house no. forever because you're ruined. Ruined like daytime sci-fi monster of the week, maybe. 
So Tamar's brother Absalom finds out what Ammon did and comes up with a plan for revenge. King David. Oh, Absalom, my cousin friend? Sorry, how are we related? This just I'm your son. No, no, that one died. Remember, it was very sad. No, I'm your sad... I'm other other son. Whatever you say, man. What's up? I just I wanted to invite you to my sheep shearing party. Your sheep shearing party? Yep. Big sheep shearing party, and I wanted you to come and bring the whole family. Oh, man. 